everyone, and welcome to Superhouse Podcast. This is episode 61. Our guest today is Matt Lefferts of Runic Games. Um, and this is Stefan from Denver. <laughs> are we still doing that? Introducing ourselves? We haven't done it in a while. <laughs> People know who we are. We're, we're, <laughs> yeah. who we're kidding. People hey, are we're here with Matt and Andrew and Matt Lefferts. <laughs> that one's um, me. We're going to go nice. talk with Matt Lefferts. We're going to talk about Iron Fist on Netflix. And then we're going to review Kong and... Stefan's going to shit on it. And then we're oh. going to have a very special <laughs> guest. Hugh Jackman is actually showing up at Superhouse later on. Isn't that crazy, it's guys? It's a huge, huge honor. I don't know. He's this billing order works for went, me. Wait, say it again? This billing order works for me. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. get top billing, dude. Yeah, you get top billing, for sure. <laughs> he's he's kind of dead to me since he left Wolverine. So. <laughs> hey, don't what tell him. Hell, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, what's he telling anything then, I want? You know? Right. <laughs> He's calling in later, so we'll have to ask him all that whenever he gets here. <laughs> so Matt's an old scatty friend of ours uh, hey, from hey. Our, our alma mater, um, as well as being a professional in the games industry. I've been uh, to Matt. the actual super house. Yeah, oh, and yeah, yeah, the relic, the legendary temple of light. Um, yeah, Matt, if you don't mind for our listeners to introduce yourself and uh, speak a little bit on what you do there at Runic Games. Sure, sure. I am Matt Lefferts. I am the lead animator at Runic Games in Seattle. Uh, I've uh, been a founding member of the company since 2009, and uh, we made Torchlight, uh, Torchlight 2, and we're currently working on Hob. Uh, H.O.B. Hob mm-hmm. for the PC and PlayStation 4. Sweet. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. And uh, I've seen the trailers and stuff for Hob. Uh, it's getting a lot of good press so far that it seems like. Yeah. Um, uh, so you had a pretty big hand in the in this game, right? Yeah. Yeah. Both hands. Um, <laughs> uh, 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 so uh, at Runic, we have just the two of us. It's me and um, Colin Turner. So we are the animators on okay. the team. And okay. essentially oh. anything that moves that isn't driven just programmatically by the engine comes through us. Uh, all characters, all monsters, right down to props in the environment. Wow. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And actually, oh, there is so- a, a trailer with a. Um, a dramatic scene with this huge section of the world rising up out of the mist. Uh, yeah. And that was something that we ended up going in and hand animating. I got to animate all of that. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah. That's amazing. Hang on one second. There's a riot right outside the front of my house. <laughs> what is There's going like on? tanks man. driving. I don't know. I live with a motorcycle mechanic, so he may be <laughs> riding around with his dick out or something. Motorcycle <laughs> tanks. <laughs> yeah. The dick out makes it louder. Anyway, sorry. That's pretty impressive, though. The, the, I've seen a couple trailers for it, and it looks amazing. I knew Thanks. you had yeah. an animation background. I didn't. I wasn't sure exactly. I checked the website, but I wasn't sure exactly like how intimately your involvement is, and so it's really cool to hear that you're yeah. both hands are elbow deep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, our team bounces around a lot through different disciplines and stuff too mm-hmm. um, you know everybody has a certain degree of input about like wanting to get ideas in the game and um, you know ideas for monster designs and yeah. little scenes between them yeah. um, so we definitely incorporate all of that kind of input from everybody as much as possible right yeah 
which I, yeah. you know, is kind of the point. Like if you if you're gonna work on a video game, you want to get those ideas across. Yeah, yeah. Um, what was I gonna say? Uh, oh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I'm blanking out here. Um, what at what point, like after college? Um, did you know you either wanted to like found a games company or mm. like what was the journey there? What was the de- or what brought you to the decision of being <laughs> part of like a founding member as opposed to working for a bigger company or your experiences there with? Yeah, them? yeah, cool. Um, I so in college I actually double majored um, between film and game design uh, uh-huh. with a with an animation focus, and halfway through college I figured out uh, at the cage at what was it mm-hmm. Hamilton. Yeah, the whole infamous cage. Yeah, for uh, listeners. I, there was a very distinct <laughs> moment that I realized, like, I don't want to work in film ever. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> it's just too hard, bro. <laughs> no, nah, man. It was. Uh, I there, I saw a lot of people that you just see the same faces who are always working on projects and something. Yeah. I saw somebody I didn't know, but saw around at the time, and I and I just kind of made it like, oh, hey, what's up? And just got the coldest shoulder of my life. Uh, really? And immediately had this envision, you know, envisioned my future of that person <laughs> in every facet of every job in the film industry for the rest of all time. And I was like, no, no, I'm yeah. gonna go make video games. Interesting. Interesting uh, I started freelancing after college. I got uh, screwed over by a client very early on. Oh. Wow. Uh, never paid, so I ended up moving back to Connecticut, where I'm from. Uh huh. And just bummed around on the very gracious dime of my parents uh, for that for that year, and uh, freelance as much as possible, and yeah. found a job that took me out out west, out to Seattle. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and then three months after I had that job, the company shut down. That was Flagship Studios. <laughs> working oh, on, we were working yeah. on a game called Mythos at the time, and Flagship um, down in San Francisco, the main branch had been had just released Hellgate London. Yeah. Uh, yeah, which was that. getting success, but mixed reviews. It was a complicated scenario. Uh-huh. Ultimately, everything led to like three months, three to four months after my first job in the industry, my company shut down, which was a big, Ooh. scary mess to be a part of. And I uh-huh. decided to pay rent one more time instead of flying home <laughs> and, uh, rolled the dice and just decided to stick together with the people that I was working with in Seattle and we formed Runic. Cool. cool. Yeah. It was that, yeah. did you have, do you have Norse heritage? <laughs> uh, <laughs> it made you want to be like, it has to be this. Were yeah. Initiation rights that had to be done. Man, that, was that had to be the, drawn up. <laughs> the initiation was uh, actually coming up with the name. Cause once we had decided to stick together as a team, we went through months of an email chain that was hundreds and hundreds of, of messages from uh-huh. like 15 people saying, how about this name? Oh, that's stupid. How about this name? Yeah. And um, at, at one point for a really long time, we were actually uh, Surprise Truck, which is a reference uh, to a song lyric. Uh-huh. I think what it's song? Super Tramp. Oh, nice. I think it's a Super Tramp song. I love Super Tramp. Yeah. It's Surprise, <laughs> surprise comma, Truck. Uh, surprise Truck. Yeah. But Do you think you would have been as successful as you are today had it been Surprise <laughs> Truck? I don't know. I don't know. Because that name only really gelled with a, with a couple of people. Uh, yeah. The rest I like Runic it. Games. That's, yeah. That's, yeah. Uh, that's a strong 
It has a very gamey studio name. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, Are you allowed to talk about upcoming projects much? We're small enough that the only project we have is the one we're currently working on. I I will tell you as much as I can. Yeah, and uh, I don't have it right in front of me, but how far away is the release for Hub? Uh, It will be this year. But I don't know when. I don't think anybody oh, okay. currently so, knows okay. when. So, yeah, still undetermined. Yeah, we had a we had a release date that um, is coming up that I an internal release date that we were targeting that I'm, that we are now moving past, uh, just because the goals we were setting were it just had too much work within each goal mm-hmm. we were setting. It was just unobtainable. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know uh, that went on for a little while, and a milestone was coming up, and we all gathered. And we're like. Um, so that's coming up. Yeah. And yeah, there's a collective like, yeah, okay. All right. Let's, let's keep going. Um, and it's the right decision. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not necessarily what any of us want, but that's the gaming industry. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so you're at the mercy of what, like publishing companies? We or... are self published. Um, okay. but we partner, uh, with perfect world, uh-huh. uh, uh, for distribution, uh, internationally. And, um, They've been our partner since we opened. Oh, cool. Since day one. Yeah. And so, um, like, conceptually speaking, whoops, I punched my microphone. <laughs> conceptually speaking, like, how much of, like, the story elements are the grouping of people or, like, character concept designs and stuff like that? Is it one guy's idea, or do you guys all come together to kind of decide what the game's going to be or how the game's going to be made? It's a mixed process. Um, typically, there are two to three decision makers uh, about aspects of the project, um, and you know when the high level, core level decisions have to be made, they'll usually go off and work on that. That's Patrick Blank and Marsh Leffler. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marsh is mm-hmm. our president, and Patrick is the uh, lead designer on this project, and so they will often like lock themselves down and discuss something until they have a, a general plan their plans don't always like necessarily have to have every answer because that's what doing concept and iteration is for oh. uh so yeah we work on that and then there's kind of a general uh putting the word out of like hey if you've got ideas like now's a good time to to put them forth oh, um, really? that's cool. yeah yeah uh so it's not a process that always goes smoothly because you get 30 people, 30 creative people working on a project trying to all <laughs> come to the same vision is in, in a weirdly difficult thing to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I'm sure. Yeah. And how big is your company? About that. About that. About 30. Yeah, about 30 people. Uh, we fluctuate up and down, um, but we never really go be far beyond that. It's mm. a pretty sizable crew. Yeah, for the game industry, that's pretty small, but it's bigger than what you consider like a, a typical indie team to be, I guess. I mean, uh, these things are all kind of nebulous, but um, we like being this size because it really means that we can choose projects that we don't have to have external workforces uh, contributing, at least as much as possible. We, you try to limit that. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're also small enough that we can still all go to the movies together or go to a bar together. Yeah, know? for sure. That's cool. Yeah. That sounds like the life, man. Yeah, it's not bad. Games and, it's not and, bad. Wa- <laughs> and watching the trailer for Hob, like it just looks amazing. Um, like the platforming aspects to it, the kind of Zelda style yeah. dungeon crawler 
Um, I mean, aside from that one game I just mentioned, like, what are some of the influences you think that went into this? Um, oh, we've been really game? open about that um, all along, and it's and I think in a lot of ways it's pretty obvious, but um, yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, our uh, direct I mean, like, influence definitely like wind waker and shadow of the colossus and yeah, dark souls say, yeah, yeah yeah i'm a um yeah <laughs> i'm a ueda fumito ueda fanboy for sure like me and maddie um both were like gushing about last guardian stuff so anytime it's really great and now like you have games like brothers um that kind of tandem one player game yeah brothers yeah out. um a tale of two sons yeah. yeah, yeah. So you have games like that and games like Hob and games... Or I, I just like how um, there more developers, especially indie developers, are taking from these like these rich worlds, you know, like something like Shadow of the Colossus or something like that and kind of emulating um, certain aspects of that. And then it kind of, it's kind of filtered through their creativity, so it becomes their game. But it, it's really yeah. nice to see yeah. how those games the legacy of those games <laughs> is stretching on into other things and absolutely lately i've been buying just a lot more like indie games so it's cool to see um it's cool to see how like it kind of brings the audience and the creator that much closer because you without saying it you can kind of see a lot of the influences that are there you got these like recursive points in in game development history or these critical mass moments where like the technology advances so much and your graphics advance so much that it necessitates a 400 person company Uh um you know not all of them are artists and and whatnot working on the game none of them Mm -hmm. are, are exclusively working on the game but you need a company that big a workforce that big to push the triple a stuff that shows the full capacity of of the game console but it takes away the the approachability for smaller teams, and then you know you get things like Unity that are introduced, and um, uh, I've been playing around with uh, an, an engine called Construct Two, uh, which is all about just doing two D pixel art style stuff. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, so I think it's awesome that as like all of the high end heavy processing, heavy graphics capacity stuff keeps developing. There is also mm. these bloomings of like what is still approachable, smaller stuff that, that teams can keep coming up with the industry. Totally. Yeah. And VR is doing that all over again. Yeah. Yeah. Do you guys have any, um, it's probably too early to even think about it, but are you guys um, considering VR or not on hot even anything? Yeah, I mean, it's always, like, we're always talking about it, and I think there's mm-hmm. even, um, I've seen examples on, like, the PlayStation VR, they have um, a Mario-style platformer, uh-huh. um, but it's in VR, and it shows you, like, oh, cool, or you're essentially the camera. Right, um, yeah, I've seen, I've seen something like that. There was, like, an ice climber kind of game. Yeah, 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 so you're, you're leaning through the world and like looking around rock structures so that you can see where to go and it's, cool. it's pretty cool it's pretty natural it's uh, like and you smart can... action figures or something. yeah yeah, yeah totally <laughs> and you can see like how that could be applied to games like hub um but it's absolutely the kind of thing you have to develop from the ground up with that in mind um it's it's way hard to integrate that later on yeah yeah what um Tell us a little bit about yourself in terms of like gaming. Like, what what were some of your like big influences, or what made you 
not necessarily like what made you decide I want to make video games, but the things leading up to that, you know, that you knew were going to stick with you or have stuck with you over the years. The, yeah, man. Um, I have very distinct memories of getting my first Nintendo on Christmas when I was, I don't know, God, five, five, four, five, uh-huh. something like that. Uh, and then just like Christmas was over and I went and turned it on and was like, this is the coolest thing. I've, I didn't know this was could even be a thing. Um, yeah. And that kind of set me on a path of thinking about it. And for a long time, I wanted to do um, animatronics and monster makeup uh-huh. uh, because I liked those kinds of effects in movies. And as video games got better and, and, and uh, digital stuff got better and CGI started to replace more traditional effects, that's how I shifted into animation. And mm. games were something I was naturally drawn to because for me, um, animating characters is a lot like playing with action figures from a toy chest. So I parlayed oh. a childhood of playing with action figures into a career path. That's beautiful, man. <laughs> <laughs> that's beautiful, man. <laughs> As a toy man myself. <laughs> and... Uh... What was I going to say is there was, um, I remember on your Facebook kind of recently, well, it was like last year at some point you were like doing a lot of these like 2d pixel animations and stuff. And yeah. Tests for yeah. Different. Um, was that for a project? Is that just like a personal project? That yeah, that was a personal on? project. Yeah. Um, and that is not, that development hasn't stopped, but it has certainly stalled. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, like there, there was a point a couple of years ago when I really had a, um, a deep realization that I there are certain games in my head that I have to make, uh, uh, and I'm when I'm not eating, sleeping, pooping, or watching TV, or at least a combination thereof. <laughs> pooping and watching TV. It's doable. <laughs> In <laughs> the system of mirrors, I'm essentially I'm thinking about how you design a game around something all the time. Uh, and the, cool. the project that you're talking about came from listening to an album, uh, a synthwave album called "The Magic Sword" by the the band yeah. The Magic Sword. Yeah. And I realized, like my my brain melted out of my ears, and I essentially was <laughs> like, "This is like a soundtrack to a movie that never happened." And I've been building a game in my head and on paper and in Photoshop. That's awesome. Yeah, it was looking really cool what, what bits you were sharing and stuff. Yeah. And, and it's always interesting to see, like, those bits of the process as they, you know, just from the creator's, like, uh, sketch pad, essentially. On, yeah. Out into, yeah. like, getting those little bits and pieces. Because, like, I'm a person that I would love to get into gaming or I would love to be able to, like, build my own game somehow but like i'm just i'm still like at code academy learning html5 for like the fourth time <laughs> yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean so I, I, I do like... i do i mean because i'm i'm i work in the industry and i've worked in the yeah. industry for uh nine years nine years yeah. plus because i was freelancing but yeah. i still can't make a game just on my own that's a yeah. pretty rare person um <laughs> i i have been lucky enough to know a few of them and it's equal parts intimidating and inspiring yeah um so but you gotta have some kind of insane dr- driving mechanism yeah within yeah to get you. yeah yeah uh so i'm still in the phase where i'm cultivating the skill at a certain thing before i even feel good enough at it to have a style behind it you know what i mean mm-hmm. um 
so like that that's that's where I'm at with my pixel art. It's just a matter of doing it all the time until I'm feel like I, I have enough of the notes down. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. Yeah. Um yeah. thankfully like I've done enough exploration out there and have found a few game engines that are making it way easier for you to do stuff without knowing how to code, which is where yeah. I'm absolutely at. I'm not a coder mm-hmm. and I don't strive to be. Mm-hmm. Uh and it's you kinda have to find your way to, to do something uh, on your own for a while because it's hard to find somebody who's willing to commit with you, you know? Mm-hmm. It's not just about them convincing you that they're good enough to work on something. It's You have to do it the other way around. Mm-hmm. Uh, and <laughs> nobody necessarily wants to work two jobs. Right. True. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think actually zero. <laughs> Can I ask a question real quick? Yeah, man. Yeah, I had, I had a question. So you're you're our age, and you have hired thirty people. Uh, I <laughs> I personally have not hired them uh, on my own. I have been a part of the hiring process in the sense that uh, there are people that I have interviewed to make sure they're a good fit for the team and given my input on. Uh, but thankfully. I have not been the guy who has to pull the trigger on yes or no in in many situations. But the company you started, Runic, this yeah. company has hired thirty people, at least freelancers. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we are we are all full time. Well, we do have some contractors, but we are essentially all full time. So that's I think that's that's pretty inspiring in and of itself. It could be any industry, but I mean, you're you're doing it, and you're not <laughs> in Silicon Valley either. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Although, like Seattle. I feel maybe this is just my opinion, but uh, I feel like Seattle is kind of the hot point for game design right now in the United States. Really? Why do you say that? Uh, A lot of companies have left California. I mean, we just see a lot of older companies are not with us anymore. Um, But like the the heart of the industry kind of shifts around over time. I think it was uh, Chicago was really big for a while, and there yeah. there's still game companies in all of these cities, but it's not as many in a in a, such a small area. And right now, Seattle has quite a few. I mean, I know Nintendo of America is there, and Microsoft mm. is there, but yeah. I there's probably a whole lot more, huh? Yeah, yeah, there are tons. <laughs> there are tons. <laughs> a pretty large community. You'd say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. It is, um, and you, you know, it's a community. It's an industry of hundreds of thousands of people. But who you know still does actually matter. Yeah. Um, we definitely reach out to our friends and such when we're trying to hire someone or trying to get hired ourselves. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. They help take care of one another. Yeah, yeah. Guide people into good opportunities. Yeah, and at least once a year, uh, just about maybe a little more, a little less on occasion. But since I've been in the industry, I have gotten emails from professors at SCAD who want me to talk to a student who's about to graduate and cool. um, I've uh, just about once a year have given like a, a long email feedback session cool. whether it be Dude. like my mom's best friend's nephew or a, f- a former professor student or something you know to me that was the wor- one of the worst parts about SCAD for film majors was like as soon as we graduated they didn't really do shit as far as job placement I mean yeah. I know it I know it's the film industry, but Jesus, man. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> this, you yeah. You didn't do shit.
Yeah. Dude traveling yeah. and fucking illustration. Let's just talk about that <laughs> yeah. for a second. Yeah. There was no really like, hey, this isn't a career anymore, just so everyone knows. <laughs> yeah. Like maybe no, you okay, guys no. should go do some animation or something and try no, to figure pack out. Pack your bags and go to the 60s. Yeah. Or just like uh, take some graphic design classes. <laughs> Remember to One take of my old curves at SCAD was an illustration major and, and it like kind of stumbled his way into doing concept art. Oh, cool. Um, cool. I don't think he wants to do it. <laughs> uh, I think the last time he wants he's gonna probably move on from it because he just it wasn't where his career path was supposed to go it's just mm-hmm. where he ended up yeah yeah I, I had a thing where i was in chicago and i was on an interview like a three interviews or something for like you know those like homeschool books or like kids uh textbooks that have like drawings on the sides and they yeah. have like a, I was like I, that was the job I was going for. I didn't get it, but it was just like as close as I got to someone going, "Here's some money for drawing stuff, and you can come in and do it at this <laughs> office every day." And I was like, yeah. "Well, I mean, those things do exist out there. They're just very hard to find, and yeah. like yeah. the competition's so intense because you have like, I mean, I don't, I haven't been back to Savannah in fucking years, but I can't even imagine the amount of kids they're like going there now and." how many kids are coming out of that school and yeah. let alone any of the other art schools that are out there. So yeah. like, from oh, what I God, heard, it so... got like insanely better. Like right after we left, as well. I heard that too. <laughs> really? Yeah. Right. I'm not crazy. Right. <laughs> well, we were there in the shit hard. times. It's not that hard. Oh, to the ragtag. Like my yeah. first year, um, I, my major was computer art. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And after that, and that like, ended up shifting into 40 separate sub majors. 40. Jesus. Like, 40, really? 40. Holy uh, shit. So I lost some credits, uh, and I was double majoring, which is why I was I ended up being a super senior. And, <laughs> um, yeah, like, I, I do remember, like, the benefit of being a super senior was that I still stuck around and worked at Montgomery Hall at the computer lab. And I essentially took some classes by just sitting at a computer in the middle of a class that wasn't using <laughs> a computer. I even took the final on and participated in group projects. Um, Jesus. And that, I did that awesome. on a couple of classes just because, you know, I, I didn't bother anybody and I was a nice guy. And over time, it was like, hey, Matt, do you want to take this test? Okay, sure. I was never that studious. <laughs> I, I spent yeah. anywhere from no. like 12 to 18 hours a day at Montgomery Hall. Oh, uh, <laughs> damn. And, and now they you did got that during senior project time. <laughs> they used to have these blue lights because uh, all of the, it was an old factory, so all of the real windows were bricked up and painted. But then at the top, they had these blue lights put in that just bounced the light down. Uh, from a source that you couldn't see and it made it mm-hmm. feel like daylight okay. so when you'd work 18 hours with this fake daylight you were kind of calm uh, but exhausted but then when you'd leave and it just be hit punched in the face with darkness you know at, at midnight or something you're like ah, well, my whole sense of being is thrown off by this <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i remember that that place anytime i was in a montgomery hall it was like the end of or like the middle of a project or something like trying to get somebody to composite something for you or right whatever but it did right. always seem like you guys were being worked oh yeah like yeah. mad it was like yeah. it was like it was like on par with like architectural students and stuff <laughs> it just like constantly because so much of our job or so much of our our time is spent just rendering a final project yeah. Some of that time was just you guarding a computer with a with a piece of paper on it that says, that says "rendering, please don't shut down." 
Yeah. This is my yes, life. The people <laughs> would just come in and turn it off and do their projects mm-hmm. instead. Mm-hmm. You know, it was pretty cutthroat. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. <laughs> so, is Runic um, participating in any conventions? Do you do you participate in that, or do you guys we have do. Like, kind of like a we marketing do for a number of them? Um, yeah. We love our packs uh, because yes. packs started here in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, did it start here? It's been here the longest, mm-hmm. uh, and you know was considered PAX Prime for a long time as PAX East and PAX North and whatever else all opened up. Because <laughs> uh-huh. uh, it's all over the world now. Um, there's PAX Australia, and I think there's even a PAX China. Oh wow! Um, but we go to the PAX here, and we go to PAX East. We go to as many as we can. Um, but not all of them. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you know, otherwise then all of your doing is just working on the build for the next convention and not really ever working on the game. Yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah. You're just kind of like touring and running out what resources you have. Yeah. Like, okay, this one area that's made up of the demo is incredibly polished, but if you mm-hmm. move, you know, one space to the left, it's, it's much more barren and there are chunks of the world missing because mm-hmm. like you have to work on that. Um, but thankfully, you know, you pick and choose what conventions you want to go to, so you have time to actually polish that area to the left. Mm-hmm. And that's what we love doing, honestly. Yeah. Like, yeah. Because it's we've gone. I know I personally have gone through cycles, and probably always will, where I get too close to the project and I'm not able to see it with honesty. Uh, mm-hmm. All I see are the flaws. Right. Um, and those flaws may still be valid, but it's very, very difficult for me personally to be able to see, like, okay, but people really do enjoy this. This aspect is really fun. Right. Um, and what, oh, I'm sorry. I was just no, no, saying, no, no, what kind, And what kind of, like, feedback do you guys get? Do you, like, do, like, market testing or we, beta testing? Yeah, we bring in small groups of people. Um, like, that could just be a Craigslist ad. It could be people we know. It's uh-huh. usually better to not have people you know so that the information is as unbiased as possible Uh that helps i think going to conventions and seeing uh, that people are willing to wait two and a half hours in line to play your game is a big deal uh Uh, hearing about it afterward you know all of those things are because you get you get some really honest reactions at those moments yeah that sounds really cool and what and uh what's the next um like, uh, what's the next convention or the next, like... Yeah, that's a good question. The next convention is, for us, will probably be PAX uh, Prime here in Seattle. Uh-huh. Uh, but I think we're going to maybe be out, but I don't know. I can't commit to saying that as a fact. Yeah, um, sure. <laughs> But I think we all, like, are, like, really, really hopeful that we'll be out by then. Uh, so... At this point in time, that's not determinable. So whether mm-hmm. or not we'll be at PAX is equally not determinable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so for uh, kind of switching gears, but for anybody who's like not into, doesn't know much about game development or game creation as a whole, like um, how long has the process for Hob been in terms of like from the conceptual point to where you guys are now? Uh, the hot, the process for Hub has been a challenging one um, for God, for a million compound reasons. Uh-huh. Uh, we had 
founding like leadership members of the team. Our our former president Travis Baldry, who who led us through uh, Torchlight One and Two, mm-hmm. um, he started with us on the earliest stages of Hob and a prototype for a different game that we were exploring before we even started Hob. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he hit a personal point where he wanted to move on. He didn't he didn't like being the the guy in charge of that many people's fates, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, and the, and the kind of challenging relationships that develops. Um, so he wanted to go off and do his own thing, uh-huh. and he has done amazing things, and he and he's an incredible um, person to work for and super talented. Uh, so mm-hmm. it was hard to see him go, but it also left us in a point where we were like, okay, so what do we, what how do we, what are we doing next? And yeah. we all had to reshuffle our under our dynamic our, our our understanding of the team and start making a new game so we weren't even working on something we were familiar with so we had no familiarity at, at any foundation mm-hmm. uh so that really um added to a, the amount of time it's taken to get up and running in the development of hop in addition mm-hmm. to that we also tried to not change engines we were still using the engine that we use from Torchlight and Torchlight 2, mm-hmm. but made some really deep overhauls to its lighting engine and, and uh, oh, wow. animation system and things like that. Uh-huh. So the projection and the hope was that that wasn't going to take a long time. And uh-huh. we were super wrong about that. <laughs> 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 uh, surprise. <laughs> Light, lighting is really, really hard to code. Um, yeah, damn. Is, yeah. Uh, is it a lot of shifting kind of graphical, st- like in terms of lighting? Because I notice in Hob, there's a lot of like um, spinning on like the third dimensional axis and stuff mm-hmm. like that through yeah. through levels. Um, so, I mean, your light's obviously changing a lot there to match those movements. So um, part of what we were doing was uh, there's been a, a kind of a, a paradigm shift in the way that lighting is being approached in in the game industry um, right. i guess overall uh it uh-huh. uses a, a pbr lighting system which stands uh-huh. for uh hang on let me look it up pbr paps lighting. blue ribbon <laughs> the only kind of lighting system oh, i yeah. need hey are you yeah. what I couldn't remember the first. Just makes me black out. <laughs> but I'm chilling. Ain't no lighting up this goddamn. Uh, it's a physical-based rendering. Uh, so what it comes down to is when you are working within a PBR system, the material that you're using behaves as much like the real-world material, um, based on like a shine index and um, uh, its reflective properties and uh, things like that. So yeah. that you have universal materials and information that you can plug into the system and, and work with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, it's, it's really cool stuff. Like part of the fun of the game industry is digging out the cool tools that make you, you know, nerd out at just about the possibilities a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I'm mean, just having that bit of like a, an in-depth look into like the complexities of game gaming lighting is. Yeah. Like it's pretty when a, cool. You know, like... When a game pushes those features. Yeah. It's also because it's just really cool for the people who are making the game to use that stuff. Yeah. It's it's so, a kind of it's an it's a celebration for us on our side to be like, oh man, you can do so much cool stuff with this. this yeah, is neat. that's cool. And so when working with an engine of any type or said engine, 
um, does that does it allow you to like get into like the nitty gritty of how it works and, and modify certain yeah, in most aspects cases. of the engine? Yeah. It, it really depends on what you want to do with it and who you have on staff. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. In like, if you're gonna license Unreal, I think they have different tiers. Uh, the Unreal game engine, uh, yeah. which is one of the most prolific in the industry. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you're gonna license it, at least in the past, it used to be this way. I think they've flattened their structure a bit, but uh, you would pay different amounts to have different amounts of access to the code. Uh, and like the biggest mm -hmm. companies would just pay for full access to the code and they'd be able to do some significant core level rewriting of it to do stuff that you were never supposed to do with that engine, mm -hmm. uh, which is really awesome. No. Um, thankfully, as more companies have just been doing that all along, the people who make game engines like Unity and uh, Epic, um, they support that a lot more. The, mm -hmm. the access to that stuff and the best games in my opinion come from systemic design uh, what is that exactly where uh, you create where you create systems like if you create uh. fire fire burns wood so anything made of wood catches on fire yes uh, i love that that's cool yeah uh and then you get emergent gameplay from the interplaying of those systems and that is what's the most fun definitely yeah. thing about playing a game letting the game kind of think for itself in certain aspects yeah and, yeah and yeah, that's where I, open world and sandbox games like came from yeah it seems like that's kind of like a, a practical and kind of more simplistic approach to certain things like which i which i feel like in a lot of games creates a lot of rich details it's um, yeah we hit on something really interesting there because it's the simplistic logic of it from the user side yeah uh, that is that tells you that you're on the right path but cool. creating that simplicity is usually the most complex thing to do. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like, uh, there's one the thing I refer back to a lot of the time, and you may have heard of it, is the, the door problem in video games. Uh, I haven't actually. The door problem comes down to like, hey, level design wants to put a door right here, and then the programming has to make the door, concepting mm -hmm. has to design the door. Uh, uh, animation might need to go in and animate the, the, the player and the door together, mm -hmm. but you also have to know, like, does the door open from one side? Does it open oh. from both sides? Does it pass through the character? Does it push them away? Does it get, does the door get stopped if there's something in the way? Can uh -huh. it be locked? Does it have to be, does it have to transfer <laughs> that information across networks so that both games at the same time have that information? Like, wow. you get this cascade of questions, and uh -huh. that is one of the best examples of what the game industry is. Wow, that's actually. So, and I guess like mirrors are pretty difficult too, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Reflections of characters and stuff. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And they're still like, even the best stuff is still faking it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Especially with the advent of VR, you know, it's like I feel like in a lot of ways we're entering this age of sophistication and gaming, but then they're still facing in terms of like what you're saying, they're still facing a lot of those issues because it's still like just because you're in a first person perspective doesn't necessarily mean that all that kind of, those details are are quite as advanced or sophisticated as you yeah, may think. totally totally um and i i've actually been seeing a lot of people that i know out here who are working in the vr film industry that's budding uh, they're they're having talks mm -hmm. about about how a lot of the the classic things that you learn about shot composition aren't necessarily valid in VR because you don't you no longer have the control of where someone is looking. It's up to them. 
So mm. trying to lead them through a scene becomes a whole new kind of challenge that right. film has never had to deal with before. Interesting. Yeah. I was at a, I was at a party listening to some some friends of mine talk about this, and I just kind of went, "Oh, that's interesting," and and chuckled uh, because the game industry has been solving that problem for decades. Yeah. Uh, and now there are these like this cross mojination between the industry all that much more. Like, film can now suddenly have something to learn from game design that so much wow. of the time has only gone one way yeah yeah that's really cool actually yeah 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 are there um, any notable vr films that people should check out or i myself have not seen many um but i know that the oculus team actually has a division that is all about film and i think spielberg is working on something with them uh, really? But Google yeah. that before you take it at face value, because that could yeah. all be wrong information. It seems <laughs> like, um, in terms of like VR filmmaking, like I feel like on paper it seems like it's it wouldn't be that, not that it wouldn't be that difficult or anything, but yeah, that it's feasible. Like it's you know with like a with like a like a decent three sixty rig. Yeah, um, yeah. But you, you yourself could. are a gamer. I think you have the leg up of of yeah, true, exposing yeah. yourself to that environment. Yeah. The situational think, think, awareness of like a three D space is different for people who right. play games. I feel like I feel like sound design is is you know it's always been pivotal in games and film and everything. Uh, but in terms of VR like that, you know, because a lot of times when I play games, you can kind of tell where they're leading you because of the way that they they've lit the stage, you know, and like yeah, yeah, you've got a shaft of crepuscular rays like yeah. pointing at a, <laughs> a, a ladder. It's like maybe go this way. Huh? God, what a great word. Corpuscular. <laughs> uh, it's, yeah. Again, there's a moment in my brain that's like. Yeah, I've always been such an eloquent at. gentleman. <laughs> we just well, there, was, voice. there was a there was a game that came out many years ago that I I, I honestly I don't remember the game. It's not that terribly important, but mm. what I remember was joking with with some people on the team about the um technical things that they had achieved that they put on the box is like and we you know and this has like full dynamic lighting system um uh -huh. but theirs were like uh dynametric light tightening and reframe reads <laughs> nothing, nothing. that's funny yeah <laughs> just have these big kind of ideas or yeah. ideas of ideas run through your head like oh my god that game is like they're really pushing it on this one did, did either of you guys know dylan johnson from scad uh yes uh he texted me the other day yesterday oh, about um asking me about ghost in the shell about they can make cyborg skin that turns invisible but not clothes that turn invisible yeah. and i just i just <laughs> gave him as best of an answer as i could and i said that yeah that's because the reframbrians index and the dynamic light tightening paradox like obviously <laughs> yes. Everyone knows that. Yeah. I, wish, I wish I was there Gee when duh. you smoked that guy, Matt. Hell, <laughs> you killed that motherfucker, bro. <laughs> um, is there anything that you're, uh, you know, I'm, you're probably pretty damn busy at work all the time, but is there anything that you're playing right now that you're really into Ooh, yeah, in the last is. couple years? Or, um, <laughs> yeah. really oh, Lord. Well, okay. Um, so. Oh, wait, and, and also to add to that, like, how much of your how much of your gaming is also like partly work <laughs> uh, well how much of your film in terms of reference and inspiration i guess yeah <laughs> how much of your film watching is partially work you know like all of it i write it off on yeah. everything yeah i mean like, <laughs> the truth is, is that i don't i i 
I kind of have to remind myself to play a game just to enjoy it sometimes. Yeah. yeah. I'm always like, oh my god, look at that cloth effects. Those cloth effects are amazing. You know, I'm I'm always scrutinizing stuff because I feel like I'm always absorbing a reference for something I really like or, or something I don't. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, it, so that I think uh, for just a couple of years ago, I got I hit a point where I would sit down to play a game that I really really loved, but uh, as soon as I booted up, I felt turned off, and I'm just like, nah, I don't really want to do this, uh, which freaked me out a bit because my whole career is about video games and i felt like mm -hmm. i was suddenly losing interest in them mm -hmm. uh and i think that was because we only saw games that were doing the same kinds of things for such a long time yeah like mm -hmm. games all had a tower that you climbed to unlock a section of the map and some stealth mechanics and you know or it's open world mm -hmm. and blah 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 uh, and uh, i i loved all of that but that all felt the same after a while and yeah I, you know, and it, it's not just that genre of games. It's it's there are applicable parallels in other genre of of games. Um, mm -hmm. So I just kind of got worn down, and that led me to doing more pixel art indie stuff. And so I was really drawn to games like Enter the Gungeon. Um, you can find that on Steam. That is a superb game, and I'm I met a okay. couple of those guys at uh, uh, an indie con, and that was an incredible experience. Um, oh. Crypt of the Necro Dancer is a rhythm-based loot game in in a dungeon about killing monsters, and it has some of the best music in the game industry. Period. <laughs> cool. Um, but right now, my life has been very, very devoted to Breath of the Wild. Breath of the Wild, yeah. Holy shit, man! That game is superb. Uh, yeah, yeah well, I mean, we've seen a lot of the good reviews, and they're saying they're yeah. kind of pushing the boundaries with open-world games. Um, I okay. haven't played it yeah. yet, um, yeah. but have, what what do you think in terms of that? I it Breath of the Wild for me it has been a really important game to come along uh, at this point in my life because it's cool. rekindled a lot of what I remember about being a kid playing a video game and why I loved it in the first place. It mm -hmm. is a systemic game. Um, like that's what I was referencing when I said, you know, fire burns wood, so everything wood catches on fire. Like. Mm -hmm. Like that is the level of stuff. I just today I've been playing it for weeks at this point, two weeks solid, and yeah. I just today found out something I didn't know about. You can throw a rusty sword at an octorok, uh, and he'll suck it in, clean it off, and spit it back out at you, <laughs> and it's the stronger, unrusty version of that weapon. Cool. Yeah, I've Little read things that, there's... Like that are awesome. Yeah, I read that it's pretty rich in detail and a lot of things like you know you're not you're just not gonna get by just like reading the review of the game or watching IGN's oh, coverage of the game. You know, there's just a lot of, a lot of nuances to to that. And something I something that I saw come out uh, pretty early on, I think, in its first week, was some negative points about the game. That was yeah, it's a huge, vast, open world, but it's kind of empty. Uh, yeah. I get. I get what they're talking about, but I saw a breakdown of why that was an intentional design, and I, I wholeheartedly agree with it. Mm -hmm. It's just like in a story, it's about the pacing. That emptiness gives yeah. you a sense of being alone in the wilderness, and it makes you a little timid. And when you see a stranger on the road, you run over to them because you want to talk to them because you're lonely because there's not much else out Whoa. there. So it Every time that you stumble upon a spot that has a little something, you feel that sense of reward that I desperately have been wanting from exploring in a video game, 
but it's the pacing, yeah. it's the balance of that empty experience versus the reward of actually finding something. And I yeah, think that, that is cool. just, it's so well crafted in, in this game. I'm excited to play it. That's kind of, I was having feelings like that when I was playing Red Dead Redemption. Oh yeah, totally. You know, when you just go off on your own and there's these like scripted events that are like, they seemingly inconsequential, you know, but it's just like, you could because you know there's probably so much going on in terms of computing to make the world feel alive but some of those small moments that are just that just exist there you know they even though you know they were scripted and animated they still made it feel like you know you were part of this like this like grander um well world i guess like oh like a real living world yeah yeah exactly you know and then then that's cool and then like you know to also parallel that with like shadow of the colossus you know like loneliness was a big part of that game you know a lot of that game was just like a boy and his horse yeah and you know um, and the one thing i think i really wanted out of that game was just a little bit more reward for for making it to the weird places that i managed to climb (laughs) to you know like instead of like an abstract death (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it, like I don't even I don't even need a collectible item if there was just like a gravestone with a sword stuck mm-hmm. in it, and it was just some visual story there that I could have been like, oh, cool! Like that is enough. Yeah. That is the reward level. Um, where like yeah. I think the Breath of the Wild hits that on the nose, and it's awesome. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, are there any like as a as a game developer, as a game where somebody works in the industry? Um, and playing Breath of the Wild and it being, like you said, like an important game for you at this point. Um, what are some of like, what's some of your speculation in terms of like um, where gaming's headed um, outside of some of the obvious things like VR and stuff like that? But what do you think like, because sometimes I feel like the same um, emotion about like maybe like, you know, like I've played this game before, even though it's like brand new. Mm. Um, you, you know, there are a lot of good reviews for Horizon Zero Dawn, but you know, there's part of me that feels like, you know, I've been there before. Right. If you stripped out all the art and all the story and mm. everything was was blocks and stuff, you could put Far Cry, Assassin's Creed, Batman, Zelda, and mm. Horizon Zero Dawn all in the same box, and you may not be able to tell the difference. Like it mm. has the same core founding design principles, mm. um, which makes sense. I mean, you're you're trying to say to design around the same kinds of problems. Like, mm. what do you do with that much space? Mm-hmm. Um, to because there's a sense of needing to give players um, a feeling of progress, and yeah. you know there are there are a handful of ways that we rely on to to really step that up for people. Um, but those mm-hmm. mechanics are starting to get stale, uh, so yeah. you'll probably see. I personally think we're going to see AI creep into everything in everywhere in life. Yeah. Uh, but gaming is one I'm really excited for. Oy. I'm that excited for it. That was me. <laughs> um, like, picture... Did you guys play um, Shadow of Mordor? Negative. Um, no. I played I a little bit either. of it. It was great. It's awesome. It, like yeah. it, That came to me at the right time, because it has the same kind of fighting mechanics that you see in games like um, the Arkham series of Batman games yeah. and the Assassin's Creed-style fighting stuff. Mm. But it's really, really well honed in that, and it, it feels good. But again, what really makes that game stand out is the nemesis system, where yeah. you know, like you kill an orc captain, and you... In, you light him on fire, but he may show up again because he, he didn't get killed, 
but now he's all covered in fire burns and and has a fear of fire and it created these little stories that are told in these organic emergent gameplay systems yeah and now if you put an ai like a deep dream ai that's that's learning to be uh a uh basically a dungeon master cool you're gonna have games that just kind of propagate these cool little stories of forever that are gonna be awesome that that's the most beautiful thing I think everybody's ever said. <laughs> Cause I've been, I've been trying to like, I've been trying to figure out how to put that into words because like for me, like I love games like, you know, like Grand Theft Auto, Red Dead Redemption, like open yeah. world, um, uncharted, you know what I mean? Even the new tomb Raider, like part of me wishes that you could just go back into that world and there's just enemies for no reason, just peppered there, you know? Yeah. The best part of the game was like how quickly you could take out certain enemies or how like well you could do it, how stealthy, you know, and I could yeah. do that forever and ever and ever. But also there's the the idea of being able to like propagate more story elements into things without being tied to like a grand narrative that has a beginning, middle and end. Yeah, yeah, um, definitely. You know, games have Wait, to be you're saying you want to go like a back to the basics uh just gameplay, basic gameplay without Well, I want I want a game or... I want a game that has character and atmosphere and, and and a distinct world to itself, but I want to be able to go back to that game and play it and it be a different experience each time. Right, right. Or, 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 or like he's saying, like an AI dungeon master, like where the story is being woven by rich details within the game, also within like the computing of an AI that could keep the story going and you not really knowing what's going to happen around every turn, you know, like it, it, it'd be about like living the lifespan of that character throughout that world yeah. and what happens to you. Cause then, cause then it's like, it's kind of like, you know, it was kind of like the first two weeks of no man's sky when it felt like, yeah, when it felt like there was so much potential in that world. And it felt like there's so many possibilities because people didn't really know yet the limitations of, no limitations man <laughs> no man's sky is uh, that's a that's yeah. a hard one that's a hard one yeah and um, i still i love i love where it's at you know what i mean and i feel yeah. like the you know and some of what it was doing you can already tell games are like taking cues from that you know as much shit as it got the thing i think um, that is hurt i'm, I'm just, did i i didn't want to no, touch it okay no good the thing i think that's hurting the game industry the most is uh how how many games are forced out bef- well before they're ready yeah, uh, um, that's a huge and, problem in your opinion. Oh God, yeah, I think it's one of the most prolific problems in the industry. Um, really good projects get shut down because they're not meeting expectations, you know, that are that are unrealistically set. I've known plenty of studios who only get enough funding for six months at a time, and then have to show their publishers, like, okay, yeah, no, we're we're doing it. Like, is this yeah. good? Uh, can we have can we have more than six more months? You know, like that's constantly <laughs> living under <laughs> fear. That's just yeah. that's just crippling people with fear for their whole lives, and it's awful. Yeah, and um, it's making games worse. And it's making games worse, you know. And like, uh, look at look at unfortunately, and I want to publicly say that I respect everybody who works on a video game because it's a fucking hard thing to do. At the same time, what we're seeing with Mass Effect Andromeda and their mm-hmm. uh the technical bugs that are like prolific through their early gameplay right now. Mm. Like that's a classic example of forcing a high budget, big flagship title out the door before it's ready. Yeah. And And, and... we, we now accept day one DLC and Mm -hmm. day one patches, which is really just saying, okay, the the game that you have in the box is not playable. 
So please put it in and then download <laughs> 29 gigs of patches. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I, I did that with Assassin's Creed 3, the, the colonial one where you play uh -huh. as a Native American. Uh -huh. um, it's a bad game, um, yeah, and it so didn't have to be. But at the time, my Xbox had been hacked, so I didn't have it hooked up to the internet. I just put the disc in and played it. That was an unplayable game in that state. I wow. paid Jesus. I paid seventy five wow. bucks for a collector's edition because I was an idiot um, <laughs> for a game that's not playable. Like I I have a deep problem on a on a moral level with with the fact that that is acceptable. Like it's not. It should not be acceptable. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I and definitely I think um, early access is doing the, that all over again. I think yeah. early access is unfortunately hurting the game industry. I think there are a lot of games out there who who could potentially play on the ideal of an early access game that's still in development. So you're beta testing it while it's being worked on. Yeah. Um, but like it has negative implications because it's just an acceptable way to ship an unfinished game in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, yeah. and in, even in the ideal case, like I think Ark Survival is a fantastic game. I kind of wrote yeah. it off when it first came out. And I was watching some YouTube Let's Plays of it, um, and was like, as an animator, looking at the the diversity of life forms, the monster, the dinosaurs, and, and everything that they have in the game, mm -hmm. blew me away. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I know some of the technical challenges. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I know some of the technical challenges it takes to create the diversity of different and the, the different ways that each creature moves within the world. That's very mm -hmm. hard to do. It takes a tremendous amount of work, and they're doing it. The game is still in early access, and I've played so much of it that I'm kind of over it. So when it finally comes yeah. out, I'm I'm ready to move on. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I never got to see the the true version of the product. Oh, that's unfortunate. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. So and the, so there's the argument that like pre-ordering games is also kind of an issue in terms of like forcing games out and. Yeah. Um, you know, like it was the big thing with No Man's Sky and I think, you know, uh it's all a double-edged sword because yeah. it's 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 uh, one way for something kind of like sight unseen, you know, like Yeah, but I mean, we do that with Kickstarter too. Like I've thrown yeah. money at stuff on Kickstarter and Yeah. Um it's, you know, maybe that's the triple edge of this double-edged sword, but <laughs> this blade uh, keeps getting sharper. <laughs> <laughs> uh this four-dimensional sword <laughs> yes, I want to see that. I want okay, to see now that. Now I have a new games. idea for a video game. Great. Yeah, the four D sword with magic sword soundtrack in VR. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, <laughs> what were we saying? Uh, I don't know, man. This has been great, though. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Chatting about games. Um, I kind of have run out of questions. You guys have All right, any other questions? I got a question. Yeah. Very easy one. Well, I hope easy. We'll see how it goes. All right. All right. Top three favorite games of all time, go. How is that an easy question? <laughs> <laughs> Top three. Okay, okay. At least it wasn't five. Or lay down, or just lay down the comment. I know, I thought about five, and I was like, eh, let's just do three. I'm not going to put them in any, I'm not going to put them in any order. Okay. Uh, but I will say, um, Grim Fandango. Oh, shit. Um... Let's see, Soul Reaver Legacy of Kane. Wow, Ooh, interesting, interesting. Nice. That whole series is my favorite. It's they need to bring it back, man. I'm, yeah. Come on, like, 
Just give it to me. It's all in one. Yeah, I know. <laughs> all in one open world, long ass, ten hundred hour game. Dude, I'm I'm, I'm <laughs> kind of a, right? I'm kind of tired of open world games, but yeah, I would fucking I'm, I'm like love it. that shit. I would. Yeah. Yeah, that and Onimusha, I would love <laughs> those two games to do an open world game because they're so rich with like. Oh, yeah. All right. Anyway, continue your thing. My third is gonna. Oh shit. Um. Okay. Uh, My third is gonna have to be Half Life. Okay. Those are interesting. Okay. I'm leaving out tons of things I've taken inspiration from, uh. But Grim Fandango, Half Life, and Soul Reaver: Legacy of Cain were some of the games that convinced me. I could be in the game industry. That there were like Half Life when I sat down and you get the opening tram, the mm-hmm. intro. It, yeah. I, I, the, my eyelids were like on the back of my head. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. I Especially didn't coming... realize I didn't realize you could do that with a first person shooter. It was an epiphany as much as an awesome gaming experience. It was like, oh yeah. my god, you can you can do so much more with a first person shooter. They were really experimenting with storytelling and atmosphere and, yeah. uh, you know, like their sound design and like the leading of the eye and stuff like they did such a good job of like making aspects of that game like super creepy, yeah. tongue in cheek. Yeah. Like, yeah, that was that was a time when things started to break the mold. And yeah, uh, yeah. You know, especially with like first person shooters. Yeah. Uh, Grim Fandango was just like it, it had so much heart. And I absolutely yeah. love um, those that era of games, the the Lucas Arts and mm-hmm. uh, Tim Schafer era of games, like um, Day of the Tentacle, and um, uh, I, I'm I'm panicking and trying to think of the rest of them. But, like <laughs> no, so okay, we, we know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah we got it. Psychonauts. Yeah. Like I okay, Psychonauts. when I worked at the when I worked at the Best Buy on Abercorn in Savannah, Georgia. Oh my yep. god. I worked in the I work in the media Where department. Where you saw Joey every Tuesday. <laughs> Continue. I worked in the media department. I single handedly sold every copy of Psychonauts that I was uh like present for. Like nice. any parent that came in I was like, You must get your kid this game. You just have to, okay? Like yeah, get them get them and uh, get them mad and I don't care, but get this too, because this is an amazing game. Yeah. yeah. Um, shit, I was just gonna say something I forgot about, like, Tim Schafer, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, yes, anyway. a little I anecdote. Uh, I really loved it. Yeah, oh, that's what I was gonna say. I was gonna say, um, <laughs> continue with your anecdote, but then after, and maybe this anecdote fits in, but what's, like, an insider gaming story that you can drop on us? Oh, so, all right. Yeah, Juicy sure. details. Yeah. Juicy um, deets from deep within the gaming. <laughs> 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 Ivan. <laughs> um, do okay. So, I loved Brutal Legend, which was a double fine game. Oh man, yeah, so good. Legend. Yeah, uh, and I just absolutely loved that game. Um, I I think that its art direction was one of the most like on point games of all time. Um, there is an Eddie Riggs sticker on the side of my desk, and over the years. We've moved desks around the office and changed up the layout, and I got a different desk, and I had to say goodbye to Eddie. But last year, we moved again, and I ended up coming back to my desk with Eddie Riggs on the that's... side. And it was like coming home. It was great. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. Um, continuing the connection to Brutal Legend and Eddie Riggs and SCAD, uh, there's a friend of mine from SCAD, Christine Felon, who um, has – uh, she worked every job I had ever wanted. 
in the industry. <laughs> right out of the gate, she was working at LucasArts, and then she was on Double Fine at uh, working on Brutal Legend. Uh, and um, she and her crew, a bunch of other SCAD people too, built a soapbox derby car based on the Brutal Legend, the Brutal Bus, nice. uh, from the car from the game. And uh, like I think they won the flute tog that year, and it traveled wow. around the world as as part of like a museum tour. Wow. It, it's awesome. And uh, oh. a couple years after that, I actually got to meet Tim Schaefer at PAX, and uh, we we gushed over that aspect. Uh, awesome. of, like, yeah, because I, I I like was so nervous I was gonna do the classic. Like, oh hey, hey, my name's Matt. It's good to meet you. Okay, bye. <laughs> um, yeah, but I, I managed to overcome my uh, starstruck and have like an anecdote shared between us. Cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, uh, do you guys have any other questions for Matt? Maddie, you've been quiet. Oh, I've just been listening. It's been fun. Uh, <laughs> I was just gonna ask like what games you're playing, and you talked about that, and just, right I don't know, it, was, it was just fun to listen because I don't like I play video games, but I don't. I don't how I don't I know how some of it's made. I understand that. I've watched documentaries and stuff, but uh, it's just fun to listen to someone who's in the industry and yeah, sure. you know, making games. And uh, like while you were talking, watch the trailer for Hob and stuff, and I'll buy cool. it. Fine, cool. you'll take my uh, money. <laughs> uh, you know, it's just so uh, good. Yeah, I'm but really I, I'm excited yeah. for the release of Hob um, because it's been something we've been working on for years, and mm. you know, like after so long, you really just want to you want to move on from it, but you also want to get it out for people to see. Yeah. Um, but like, also like Zelda's. Well, by the time that will come out, Zelda will have been out, so I, I won't feel like we're directly competing with something that is thematically similar. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, something that we like the Zelda franchise is something we definitely drew influence from. Uh, I think we're also fortunate that we're coming out on PlayStation, where there really isn't yeah. right now anything that's Zelda-like. So we'll get to be that for people, and that's really exciting. Um, I do have cool. to. I do have to ask, when you say inspired by Dark Souls, how hard is it? Because, uh, Well, <laughs> <laughs> um, Dark Souls is one of the things that we were drawing from our, uh, for design influence for our combat earlier on. And there are some Dark Souls-influenced elements in uh, fights with some of the larger monsters and the way that it's like about rolling around and mm-hmm. avoiding, uh, the, avoiding swings that way. Um, but you know that we're not Dark Souls. Um, we weren't trying to be one to one with Dark Souls. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just that you look to the games of highest caliber to yeah. draw influence, and so for us that was that was up there. But so was you know Miyazaki films and you know things like that. So it wasn't it wasn't just the games. I feel like yeah. when people say like, "Oh, it's like Dark Souls," people immediately sometimes are like, "Whoa, nope, nope." I know all about that, even though I've never played one. I don't want nothing to do with that. So I just had to ask because, yeah, I, I do enjoy like uh, I enjoy the Dark Souls and like what they're trying to do. It's just like I got halfway through Dark Souls three and I was like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. I'm so, so frustrated all the time. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I understand completely. Uh, I I deeply love the Souls the all of the souls games uh but for many of them there has come a point when i'm like i'm fulfilled yeah um, <laughs> you know well, I... uh, but for us like like if you look at something like zelda it's it can be tough but it doesn't necess- it's not necessarily brutal uh yeah. whereas dark souls is brutal and 
and I don't mean just in their combat, but in like the tone of their world as well. Oh, yeah. um, like Zelda can be bleak, but it doesn't necessarily become brutal. And we're kind of in the in between those two okay. extremes. Like our world feels lighthearted uh, because of our art style, but mm-hmm. you will be splatted and impaled into a pile of red paste by some of the creatures. It kind of, um, when I was looking at it, it kind of reminded me of this game called Wild Nine, which I really enjoyed, I think was the name of it. It's like, yeah, the guys yeah. who did Earthworm Jim. And, yeah. That a, that's a PS1 game, right? Yeah, it kind of, like, that. Wow. just like when I was watching that, uh, I was just like, oh man, this looks fun. It looks kind of like this. Yeah, I kind of cool. wanted a game like this cool. again. So, uh, yeah, but, Wild Nine was awesome. Dude, I f- fucking love that game. I miss games <laughs> like that, man. Like, that's why yeah. I'm like, uh, I love when I can beat a game. And uh, we were talking about Titanfall 2 and just the story mode. Yeah. And it's like five hours. And I'm like, I miss that about games. Like, I'm not saying I should have to pay $60 for that shit and yep. get people yep. who get upset. Yeah. But I'm just like, I just want small stories sometimes. Cause yep. like, yeah. not that I'm doing anything important in my life, <laughs> but sometimes I just want to sit down and be able to beat a video game in a couple of hours. But it seems like everything yeah. now is just like, oh, you got to put all this time. You got to grind. You got to yeah. fucking get all these cool shit. And it's like, yeah. oh, whatever yeah. happened. As much as, I love Breath <laughs> of the Wild, as much as I love Breath of the Wild, there's a part of me that's like, I'm only, I've been on it for two weeks and only seen four out of 12 zones here. I might. Yeah. Wow. I don't know if I'm going to make it. Holy uh, <laughs> But I love every every second of it. So, yeah. We'll see. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's like, that's kind of like going back to like the re- replayability of certain yeah. games. You know what I mean? I th- that seems to be like the prevailing kind of philosophy now is just like make the game bigger, make the game longer, make it worth your while to stick it out and play for hours and hours and hours. Yeah, um, you know, because like World of Warcraft and like League of Legends, they have they have the um, well, World of Warcraft, I guess, more specifically, has like uh, like things are changing, you know, and you're growing with these yeah. characters throughout. Yeah. Um, um, I don't know if League of Legends is that way. I think it's just a top down camera angle that I'm comparing the two. But, right. <laughs> um, but it, yeah, it feels like that sometimes. Like games, like, and that's that's kind of what I was speaking to, and what I was like praising Matt for was just like. I want a game that's replayable, but I don't want it to have to feel like, I want to feel like I'm making progress through certain elements of it, but mm-hmm. I don't also want to feel like, um, you know, it's like an uphill battle the whole time or yeah. I have to, I'm just chipping away at it because then that, because then that like the game is going to be fun and I'll still play it probably, but it's just going to become arduous, you know? Yep. Yeah, totally. Um, I mean, there, it's a real fine line between getting your money's worth and feeling the tedium. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. Um, which and it'll be interesting to see what happens in like the next five to ten years in terms. Well, of like yeah. I mean, because AI can and... put me out of work as much as it could put anybody else out of work. Like, yeah. Well, that's an interesting see. point actually, because whenever when people are talking about automation and stuff like that, you usually think of like you know working in factories or right. you think about the service industry and stuff like that. You don't really think about things like gaming. Like, how do you think automation might affect that? I think that automation is going to enough. I think when people think automation, they still think robots, like machines and factories welding cars together. And that's, yeah, that is automation. But what we're really talking about is how AI is going to take over jobs. Thinking or or learning AI, neural network AI systems are going to be driving cars. But I mean, have you guys ever heard of the next Rembrandt project? No, no. They fed. The too long didn't read version of it coming from me is that um, they fed a uh, a neural network all of Rembrandt's work and then asked it to produce a, a new original artwork in that style, and the image it produces is so so good 
you would not know that it's not an actual Rembrandt unless you're told. Oh, shit. And so it creates a complete existential crisis immediately. <laughs> um, Game over, man. Game <laughs> over. <laughs> Damn, my, dude. My, like, my point is, is that that bridge is getting closed uh, faster and faster. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, that gap mm-hmm. is getting closed, bridged faster and faster. Yeah. Um, yeah. Humans won't be able to sit around and be like, yeah, but we have art because art is going to be able to be reproduced as well. Um, there is a, mm-hmm. a short film, uh, which you guys may have heard it called Sunspire, mm-hmm. I think. Um, it was written by an AI. Oh, uh, right. I remember. Oh, this, yeah, I've heard of this. From, yes. uh, from uh, Silicon Valley in it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, I love that dude. Yeah, it was for yeah. a 48-hour film fest, and the same kind of thing as their next Rembrandt project. They fed it hundreds of classic screenplays, and in the intro to the film, they run through like the the marquee list of, and you've been like, seen it, seen it, seen it, own it, seen it, um, uh-huh. and then it pumped out scene direction, scene description, camera direction. Uh, it it pumped out a screenplay uh, with lyrics Jesus. to a song, and then they just shot it, and it makes no sense. <laughs> But yeah. the longer you watch it, it starts to make a little sense. <laughs> I've, seen the, I've seen the trailer for it. It's it's pretty it's pretty eerie. Um, yeah, you will laugh your ass off because it because yeah. it's nonsensical garbage that sounds like something. It's like the room, but you know it was yeah, like yeah. it was like composed by, by this AI, AI. Yeah, instead of an alien. <laughs> that's pretty. That's, that's fascinating. Actually. What I want to see immediately, what I want to see is somebody mm-hmm. should start an AI film fest where everything is AI made, like all all these yeah. AI written films, so we can laugh at them. But like five years from now, we'll be going, oh god, yeah, this is. Oh wait, this is actually pretty right. good. Right. I mean, imagine, <laughs> imagine, imagine what that means for like you know down the road, like what that means for like yeah. like larger film productions or like Marvel or whatever. Like yeah, yeah, we have this director and these actors or whatever, but yeah. you know, like their ace in the hole is going to be this sophisticated AI that just like it wins every time. You know, like, best There's going to be no more writers. These, yeah, like no more writers. Like, what do you need directors and actors for? It's even? gonna like, yeah, it's gonna be really. <laughs> disruptive and scary yeah, for the human yeah. race but think of how cool video games will get that's yeah. what i'm saying yeah it's like <laughs> or how scary they'll get like if you had a game yeah. like um grand theft auto mm-hmm. that could perpetually have original content written that's what i'm for talking about <laughs> through an ai that is constantly learning mm-hmm. you know if you put skynet into a video game it's gonna be fun as hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> Until Skynet yeah. becomes real. And, then like, <laughs> right, yeah. and if it's oh, VR too, you know. If, right. Yeah. You seen, you're plug yeah. into Oasis at that point, really. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. We'll all have uh, we'll all have Berkeley uh, Hollow. We're just uh, gonna be fat tubs of goo, just like <laughs> peering through these channels in order, to, you know, and like that manifesting was, new and different lives. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's like the actual story Wally, of Wally, the Matrix, and <laughs> yeah, the navigators from Dune. You know, it's interesting because then it calls into the question, like, what do we, like, like, you know, really calls into the question our own purpose on the planet, if there right. ever was one, or like, you right. know, like our personal goals and stuff like that. Well, it's, yeah. It, and we've only ever okay now we're getting like really deep but we've only ever structured (laughs) what our purpose is on a large scale based around jobs yeah industry and marketplace and stuff like that yeah yeah, and i'm distilling it down to a very simplistic thing but at the same time biologically it's not like humans 
recruit were evolved because we were like, oh, well, somebody's going to work that job. <laughs> somebody's gotta I'm going to stop breathing money. water, crawl up on land, and go work in a factory because somebody you know, has to do it. That'd be a great commercial for like Ford or some shit. <laughs> Wait, so what do you I'm, – I'm interested in this deep side now. What What's the other – if it's not jobs – I well, mean, it's just to I mean, the truth live with is, your family and get food, or what do you mean exactly? It could be. It's really comes, that's but thing, that's like... that's the deep personal question. Yeah. Right, right, right. Is if everything is taken care of for you, if we essentially, if we essentially live in the Gene Roddenberry Star Trek utopia, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I see. Uh, yeah. Like, then, what yeah. do you what do you want to do? Like, What's if you the... want to go work at a restaurant because you truly love it, then hell yeah, go do it. Right. Yeah. Are you saying like... that automation will divorce us from the burden of labor? Yeah, it will. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Well, yeah. there will be no jobs. <laughs> there will be well, there. The jobs know, will I'm be sure There will be there will be some things. You know what I mean? And with yeah. the disparity of like the rich and the poor becoming wider and wider and wider, it won't matter. Like, things are going to have to be redefined. The fixing you know, of the of, uh, yeah. the automation, the engineers for that will be a big deal, probably. Yeah. I would imagine. Yeah. Well, but then, but that's still only temporary because then the machines will just write themselves. Learning AI, yeah, and then, and then, then it's like, what is the, what is the, what is the purpose for humans? Like, what is the beneficial? (laughs) This is kind of scary, but like, what is the beneficial? It's the the eternal summer, and look how it worked out. They're gonna kill us off, man. It's gonna happen. Do you think Kurzweil is gonna be right, dude? Twenty twenty nine or whatever. Yeah, is the singularity? singularity. Yeah, Yeah. is that all play into this? I don't know, maybe for some, but certainly not all. Yeah, it's, it's not hard like to say when it's, so, when it's so theoretical and and also so like philosophical as well. Um, Dude, when I watched about? Transcendent Man, have you guys seen the documentary? Mm-hmm. Oh my god, I, my mind had never been blown yeah. more, dude. I was, yeah, I, it's good. I, 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 I cannot think of a more mind blowing do- documentary than that one. I mean, yeah. other than like parts of Zeitgeist, but then when you go yeah. back and watch that again, you're like. Some of this is bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> Kurzweil is like, I mean, it's a lot of it's just like, uh, what do you call it? Um, speculation, but it's mm-hmm. really good speculation. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. yeah. Educated well, I mean, guess. Like, our, you have to realize that some of this stuff is now a technological inevitability. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So it's a matter of navigating how well that goes. Yeah. Right. Yeah, like, right. Yeah. yeah, like the endless summer um uh, optimism. It worked out so well for the Romans, so Right. <laughs> yeah. But you know like you know, we we tend to dwell on the the Skynet possibilities, which you know, it seems because we're thinking in terms of machines um and we're thinking of artificial intelligence and stuff and it seems like we're already at a point where things are beginning to learn, like we're in these fetal s- stages of AI beginning to come or becoming like an entity or, or a species even, or yeah. however you'd classify it. Yeah. You know? Well, yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and my hope is that in some way, like we'll be rev- not that, not that I know that there's going to be any emotional context that's learned or built into these AI, but my hope is that we'll be somewhat, uh, recognized within the legacy of that development, you know, as the future goes on humankind in, in itself. Yeah. Um, and because because, yeah, it's like it's like it kind of calls into question because we are driven so um, heavily, uh, too heavily sometimes, like just to like, you know, uh, for, uh, towards our careers and our jobs and right, our right, goals right, right. and ambitions and stuff like that. Once you take away the the boundaries and limits that are set up by the market and the and industry and careers and stuff like that, 
then you start then then what is there is it is it is it a vast open ocean or is it a wide open space to be explored you know right yeah and you'll have extreme reactions to it on both sides mm-hmm right but, fuck <laughs> it all well, starts damn, with boys. But more important than anything that we've talked about is the fact that we'll have infinite gameplay capacity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. that's already, like, honestly that's what yeah. we care about. We're just We're going into the oasis, man. We're entering an age of like streaming that is that is, um, you know, even like two years ago, tr tr attempting to stream a lot of things, you'd you'd have to face like a lot of like you know face a lot of bandwidth issues and choppy this and yeah yeah things like that. But now it seems like you know, especially with phones and our mobile devices, like I have no like solid digital like mp3s or anything like i don't store mp3 yeah right, like, right. Spotify, yeah Pandora. man yeah yeah you know what i mean yeah and and, and i don't you know, buy I some Silicon music Valley i for rent that. all music yeah yeah, exactly. yeah, pretty much. yeah which is a good idea like you're thinking about like paying subscription you you know like this weird idea of like paying for something for the amount of time that you're going to need it i guess right you know, or yeah like your subscription services and stuff like that support band camps though <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah like support the artists because you know. Eternal yeah, yeah, exactly. And there's don't you know, scream fucking everything. Like there go to a fucking be... show, buy a record. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that too. For Eternal sure, champion. for sure. But I'm, but I'm like, I'm like, you know, I collect a very few amount of things. Like I definitely don't collect um, like solid records or solid CDs or DVDs or Blu-rays. Right. Um, a lot of that stuff I end up streaming or whatever. But you know, it's like, um, you know, I, I like. Uh, I was saying I like Silicon Valley for this, you know, that whole idea, you know, even though it's like a bunch of bullshit or whatever, but that I, the idea of, um, you know, the the Pied Piper software and how it it's there, but it's not there. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. You can pull it out the cloud instantly and use it for whatever you need it, share it or whatever. But then, you know, in the end, it's not taking up any space. I think once because right. we're getting yeah. to a point within computing that it's so fast and can handle so many different types of instructions just within our mobile devices. That once we free ourselves from the the limits of storage, like damn, that's like then we're starting to really cook. <laughs> but it's yeah. also like there's a there's an impact that these kinds of routines have on things. I recently just moved into the the apartment I'm living in now. Mm -hmm. Part of that process was boxing up my DVDs and games uh, from my old place, my Blu-rays and everything from my old mm -hmm. place. What I realized was I've been I had been living in my old place for three years, and I maybe went and got a movie out of the cabinet to watch once mm -hmm. so i had to think mm -hmm. like what am i gonna yeah. do with all this stuff yeah you know but like i'm normalizing the fact that everything is digital and i'm losing my sense of like ownership and totally um materialism because these things because there's a there's a satisfying answer to that without it having a physical copy yeah absolutely i was just talking to somebody about this the other day like the anticipation you used to have when like an album was about to drop like a cd yeah you know i remember when i was younger going was to strawberries music, that was like <laughs> yeah and that was like the biggest thing for me is like i have that cd crack it open look at all the art and everything like it was so satisfying yeah and i feel yeah. like in in you know in later years from that it became less satisfying because of that but now i'm finding myself back to a point with streaming like spotify and stuff like i'm still anticipating these albums and super excited about it and it's like you know, in a lot of ways, it's bringing it back to the core of, of just like enjoying the music purely for enjoying the music, which I think is cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah. yeah, there is this sense of ownership that's starting to dissolve. And that right. I think is a really interesting. And we thing introduced for us. that. 
like little by little in <laughs> yeah. different ways. Like most yeah. games are distributed digitally now through Steam and downloading it on PlayStation. You know, yeah. Like why, yeah. why try to go to the store and get the copy of the game that's sold out if I can just log into PSN and just download it? Yeah. Like, that's fine. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Or, you know, eventually I'm they'll get to I'm all about the, the buying point. and trading yeah. and selling yeah. aspect of Because <laughs> I've worked in jobs like that. So yeah. I like that. Like, seeing shit that people have come in and be like, oh, cool. They have this movie. Yeah. I want this movie now. But I also understand, yeah. like, I, the, the best thing that's happened to me is the fucking Marvel app. I'm just, like, downloading comics like fucking crazy, dude. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, it's no, like totally. That, that yeah. shit's so hard to find. And, I'm like, so glad you said that because I so, love comics. I love comics. I yeah. hate collecting comics. I hate, <laughs> yeah. I hate buying single issues because I just end up with a stack of them, and I'm like, God. I, you know, like, I love the story, but I don't necessarily want to deal with all of this. And I, it's also just, like, yeah. I can recycle or whatever, but – that's a lot of stuff to print that I don't want. Yeah. You know, like, so getting it digitally, uh, through like the Marvel unlimited access and whatnot is amazing. It's, it's a hundred percent what I am looking for. And Spotify was the same kind of thing. Like, you know, um, as a service, it provided a resource to do the thing that I wanted because the paradigm shift in the industry had happened. Netflix is doing it with TV. Yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to watch a show that's on at a particular hour. Like I don't want to be a slave to having to come home and 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 watch something at a particular hour. I want to DVR it or watch it on Netflix at my time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's the best thing. I don't know how I watched TV before. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like I guess I just missed a lot of shit. But I've seen, yeah. I've, I've, I've seen yeah. it all now though. So. Yeah. But it'll show up <laughs> on Netflix later, and then you'll be able to watch it new. I think the thing <laughs> that bugs me the most about all this shit is there's so many now. Because like. They yeah. just, um, Shudder just released um, Ken Russell's The Devils, yeah. which has been like out of print from like, there's only like one copy since 71. And yes, you can download this illegally. I understand. But like, you have to buy all these different services to watch. I just like, uh, it's so, I was yeah. sitting there debating getting Amazon Prime just to watch one fucking movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's just, it's yeah. so, because you can't like, I mean, you can't download that anywhere else. You right, know? no, like, I know, I know. And That's, it's just, uh, Prime does have the, uh, old 90s uh batman stuff that batman is awesome. cartoon that and is superman awesome. cartoon and jean-claude van johnson when it comes out i um, was yeah. i i was the subscriber to hulu in their beta projects when they were brand spanking new and i was like oh, wow. this is it man this is exactly how you do it and i think they they dropped the ball in oh, huge yeah. ways like yeah. The whole point of paying for a subscription is to not have to deal with watching the commercials. Yep. Ugh. And the, the way Hulu is set up, like, uh, I just don't get it. And then all You the... can pay an extra two bucks to take out the commercials, yeah. though. Oh, wow. Which that's so yeah. convenient and awesome <laughs> for me. Yeah, right. So I can pay, but I can pay a little bit more. That's great. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, know. I mean, I'm just saying it, it's it, there. It, it's annoying. <laughs> Um, that like you know I've I've been since Andrew turned me on to Cody I've been using Cody for most things. Um, are you familiar with that at all, Matt? No, no. Um, yeah, Cody. So Cody is like the the dudes who um, there was like a group of people that worked on the Xbox Media Center. Yeah. Uh, for Microsoft, and then I don't know what happened, but ended up like splintering off when Xbox One was being developed, and then they went on to develop their own media center as an open source app. Wow, cool. Um, so, so other people that have worked with them, uh, um, or I don't even know exactly how it works, have developed uh, what are called repositories. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so there's a few different ones you can get and like, you know, it's, it takes some doing to set up Kodi on your PC or Roku or mm-hmm. your phone or whatever, but it, it takes a, a bit um, to like point things in the right direction. But with these repositories, it, the repositories basically points you to the directly to the video files that are stored on sites like Megashare, oh, wow. um, PutLocker and stuff like that, you know, so it's like. There's some legal gray area there, I'm sure. sure oh, dude, yeah. it's um, completely fucking illegal. Bro. <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. I was just like, what are you saying? Like, no one's getting paid for any of this shit. Yeah, like, that's the thing. Right. But, but here's but, the thing. You know, and for I don't me, pay I, for, I yeah. pay for Hulu, Netflix, and Prime, okay? Yep. Yeah. Yep. I pay for them all. Yeah. And sometimes yeah. they just don't have the fucking yeah. shit I'm trying to watch. I, a lot of times yeah. it's like, it's it's... It's shit that you can't find fucking anywhere. Yeah, or it's like totally. some yeah. way, way, way old show or something. And right. Yeah. It's just, totally. dude. And I'm not downloading. I'm not keeping it. I'm just streaming it. Right. Yeah. But I so mean, which, yes. Which, you know, it's it's it's. But the, we're only touching on. Yeah, we're still only touching on the forms of entertainment and 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 media that are familiar to us. Because yeah. um, I mean, half of what we're doing is still pretty new, and the digital distribution yeah. and stuff but like the real change was stuff like youtube creating original content that yeah. people watch like i actually watch more youtube than i do tv a lot of the yeah. time and i'm not watching cat videos and people like crashing mountain bikes i'm yeah. watching like the game grumps see uh, that's that's something that makes me feel old because whenever Stephen <laughs> yeah. and i Steph and i graduated from film school, man, before mm-hmm. people were even really watching YouTube. Right, yeah. you right. Know? And that's right. a huge, that's yeah. like, that's the biggest fucking thing to happen to film. Right. In such it's a, like ever, yeah. you know? Right. And, and we, I guess it's just our timing, man. We, dude, if we were like two or three years later, we would have gotten probably better i don't know i don't know maybe i'm asking for more training but there i don't know what i'm asking no for, but it's, it's it's just it's, like yeah being a in terms of in we terms weren't of, ready yeah. it's being a futurist it's being able yeah, to see yeah. these patterns that are emerging and and mm-hmm. you know imagine and extrapolate where they could go in the future and then like just, if you uh, if you would have told me be before i saw that south park episode that in the future kids will watch video game videos more than cartoons right yeah i would have been like you're fucking Whatever. crazy i would not <laughs> yeah. have been i would have been a bad futurist <laughs> yeah. and that's you what know? we talk about a lot on on superhouse is how you know like how niche everything is and yeah. has become you know like i just you know we've been talking about this last week but i just launched that little my i collect action figures and vinyl toys and stuff yeah so I just launched my little like unboxing show or whatever, and it's gotten like more views than like short films I've put on YouTube. People and stuff, go, you know? like, people go crazy it. for that yeah. stuff, man. Isn't it's it crazy, amazing man? because it's consumable. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's just like we're not even getting it, into the weird stuff, dude. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> right, right. <laughs> like there is a huge, huge market. Uh, yeah. I I, I want to say in Korea, uh, South Korea. Um, for but I could be wrong. Uh, for People watching other people eat meals. Yeah. <laughs> Just eat them, not even no, about the food. Yeah. No shit, dude. I'm about to get a camera. Start that shit over here. <laughs> I love eating some fucking food. You should do like you are kidding, yeah. but you should do it. Yeah. yeah. There's some there's yeah. something huge. You joke now, Maddie. There's something yeah. oh, no, magical. I mean... There I think there's something magical about that direct connectivity. Like you can you can film something on your phone, whatever it may be, put it online. You know, hashtags or whatever, share with your yeah. friends. But, you yeah. know, like the people that do end up watching or the, like, there are actually people watching it, um, 
I don't know. I think like no matter what it is that you're doing exactly, there's this like really like quantum communication that's being yes. manifested yes. through that sharing, you know, and we're just getting quicker at it. Because there's also an aspect of like, the, I think a lot of people that are drawn to watching somebody eat a meal in silence, you know, yeah. is yeah. that the need to connect to, with another person on a yeah. uh, in a very private, small moment, that kind of physical yeah. or not physical, but that kind of human contact, we really still don't acknowledge how important that is mm-hmm. to us as a species, you know? Um, yeah. So I think that, and I'm speculating here, but I think there's a logical case to be made for uh, a generation or two of human beings who are growing up more entrenched in communicating through technology than in necessarily in real life yeah. and the social difficulties that are being cultivated because of that. So yeah. it's easier for people to long for the need to connect to somebody by watching them eat a meal or sleep or play a video game or whatever, drive a car, whatever. Like, yeah. It's interesting. Um, Holy shit. And I had one of the best, <laughs> nerdiest stoner thoughts I've had in ages <laughs> today when I was just out at walking because it's uh, a, a really nice day in Seattle for the first time yeah. in months. But like, I, I saw an older woman uh, who I would say is a grandmother walking with a younger girl who I would say is her granddaughter. Like it was nice to see them, the two of them out together having a nice afternoon. Mm-hmm. I could appreciate that, but at the same time, the girl is like really into her phone. Mm-hmm. If we had the ability to communicate psychically, whether that's through mutant abilities like Professor X or technological advancement like mm-hmm. an iPhone that goes in your eye, yeah, um, like we are already kind of training ourselves on a social level to be ready to communicate telepathically. Totally. That's, a, that's interesting. <laughs> like, I want to see, I want to see a representation in film or or media where communicating telepathically is more like sending texts to groups. Right. Oh, that's brilliant, man. Yeah. Like, I could see that. Yeah. Better well, start copywriting some shit. More, right? more of a, a like a day a, a day to day kind of because we see these things. You know, like I feel like we're. You know, especially with like Logan. Have you seen Logan yet, Matt? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So okay, so we don't have to get too deep into it, but especially with Logan, kind of like putting a nail happen. in the coffin <laughs> of our traditional like superhero structure. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it seems like you know like we're we're well astounded by superpowers and this this and that, and I think if we can lend any merit, if at all, to BVS. Um. <laughs> you won't even say the full thing. <laughs> I know. I had to think for a minute. I was like, "You know what are you talking about?" You know what I mean. I forgot. Um, but, it. I put it in the back anything, of my mind. You know, it's like <laughs> my point is, is like you know the deconstruction of character and like the grounding in reality of these kind of characters. I think, and what the just the idea I got when you what you were just talking about, Matt, is like um you know like this more conventional idea of 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 like magical or fantastical abilities being expressed in a way that's relatable to how we express ourselves now. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and you know, like big superhero movies, they're great and everything. And there's this, this constant like tug of war of like, it's realistic. It's in your world, but it's actually not because it's right, like, it yeah. can fly and like, <laughs> right. fireballs and shit. Yeah. but, um, yeah. you know, Spells so it's kind of like writing code. Let's yeah, reverse time. Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting, especially from a futurist perspective, as well as like a filmmaker perspective to speculate on things. You know, that's why I love her so much is, is, mm. is, you know, it's bleak, but it also it does it, it speculates on these growing pains or these changes that we're making in our 
in our like um in the evolution of our species into this age of technology that is unprecedented we also live in a future that as kids we really wanted to live in that sci-fi future mm -hmm. you know like we like next generation Picard yeah. would hold a little tablet computer that was yeah, like five yeah. times thicker than an iPad. Yeah. yeah. But it was like, well, that's bullshit. That like that's way too small. Come on. Yeah. Like, yeah. So don't be me around, Scotty. Like, <laughs> but now we have quantum entanglement and quantum yeah. computing, and yes. we have an, the the EM drive that looks like the most sci-fi thing that man has ever created. Yeah. It's got a blue claw at the back. Yeah. Hell yeah. yeah! You know how much I wanted that. <laughs> Since the Millennium Falcon. That's damn right. Yeah. <laughs> um, are there any uh, shows you're watching right now that you're digging? Oh God, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, like I'm Top still. Three. I'm okay. All right, fair. Um, <sighs> Legion. Oh, yeah. so good. So good. Um, Westworld. Always the go, but yeah. Nice. Uh, I liked Westworld, but I think I like watched it too fast. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, I hear you. Because I was like, I, I and it was probably the hype, honestly, because everyone was like, "It's fucking amazing," and I watched it. And I was like, "Meh." It's all <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm interested um, to see where it goes. I'm ready for a season two, but it's just like, meh. You know, what I, I think it. I think it's only say... because I didn't want to watch a western. Because <laughs> if I want to watch a western, I'll just watch a fucking western. Yeah, you know, yeah, like if yeah. I want to see some cool sci-fi shit, I just want to see cool sci-fi shit. And I almost yeah. <laughs> much rather would have watched it with Samurai. Well, when they showed that one scene, I was like, "Holy fuck, let's go there!" I think we're gonna see more of that shit. Like, yeah, yeah, I, I hope so. Um, I, I'm gonna also put in uh, a third and a fourth of uh, yeah. The Expanse and The Magicians. Oh, I want to watch The Expanse so bad. See, I, I'm having trouble with The Expanse. I'm about three episodes in, and it it, it bugs me to no end. What? Okay, tell me what. Tell me what bugs you. The dialogue and the characters. I can't help with that. <laughs> You're on your own. Basically, Tom Jane's in that shit. Why are you upset? Uh, I don't know. It's it's. There's something about. It. I got to get more into it. But some some something about it makes me feel like I'm being led, like you know, like fraudulently led down a path. But it's been getting such good reviews. Um, and they just got a season three coming out, right? Yeah, yeah. There are also multiple points in that where. I feel like a traditional show that I grew up watching would take longer to develop. Yeah. Like over the course of a whole season or multiple seasons. So we're yeah. like, yeah, we all know we're getting there, but like, yeah. fuck. Um, yeah. Whereas The Expanse, like, I, there have been a couple of times in first and second season where I'm like, you know, maybe this will be one of the slower episodes. That's okay. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. then it's like, boom, nope, full yeah. gas pedal down. Yeah. yeah. It, like you'll, yeah. you're you're coming up on those moments, so I wouldn't give up on it yet. Yeah, I think I'm reluctant to enter the world. It's based on novels, right? It's based on a series of novels. A yeah, game, and I have right? not. Uh, based on novels, I don't know about the game side. Uh, I think yeah. you're thinking of uh, what was that one called? I forget. There was like a video game and a show that was actually pretty decent. Um, oh yeah, but yeah, yeah. It got yeah, canceled. Yeah, yeah. It was a D. It started with a D. I don't know. Um, but yeah, trying, I, I know <laughs> but, yeah, uh, Defiant yeah. or uh, yeah, something yeah, like something like that. Um, um what about Legion? But, Are you guys watching Legion? Yeah, I just, yes. I just, uh, I haven't gotten completely caught up. I just finished the fourth episode last night. Awesome. And for me, the second episode was like the toughest, I think, because okay. the first episode had its fair bit of like confusing, kind of abstract, styly kind of things yeah. going on. 
Um, but and then had that like really strong ending where it's just like this is a show about mutants, so strap in. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. You know? And then the second one is essentially you know like I love all this stuff with the memory work and the the like this group of people that are all working together now and you know acknowledging mutant powers and the X in the background in the office. Uh-huh. And, like, yeah, totally. Just the the little teasy moments are like oh my god, please like yes 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 let's dive into this and let's take a, a different more mature look at the X universe, blah, blah, blah. Do you know um, anything about the character going in? Uh, a little bit, a very little bit. Yeah, okay. I, did, I, so, I know a little bit about him. Yeah, okay. so I, the thing uh, I, I just want to say... Been, the thing I've been loving it so far, yeah. The thing I love about it, it's like the best villain battle ever. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, my because, God. Because like, oh, after, really? after the last episode, I was like, so what if like, this whole show has been about? Like, what's happening? And I was like, oh, fuck. It's about a hero fighting a villain. And I was like, holy <laughs> fuck, man. They made a whole season out of him. Like, because you, you could do this in like an episode, you know? Uh, so, Stephen, episodes. you said you're on episode four, right? That's the one you watched? I think he's doing something. Uh, What's he doing? Uh, I think he's wrestling but, a dog. I've only seen the yeah. first two episodes. So. Oh, you've only seen? Okay, so what I will say is I know enough about the character to know, I think, generally what the show is trying to do. And I'm, yeah. I'm, uh, you know, ready for my expectations to be subverted. But um, all of the stylistic choices for the the intercutting of timelines and scenes and memories and this like disjointed feeling in the editing is all super intentional. Yeah. Um, and the fifth episode gives you what I think are the most answers you get up to that point. Uh, and I just happened to time it out perfectly. I had watched up to the fifth episode and then started rewatching it from the beginning with a friend who hadn't seen anything yet. And I suddenly understood the context of all of the disjointed stuff that was happening in those first episodes. Yeah, I can't wait to go back and rewatch it go like, back once it's re-watch. all done. Yeah, because it's awesome. But yeah, I uh, also, I mean, nice I. Oh, <laughs> Stefan, dude, what the fuck? <laughs> uh, I also really like, I never thought I'd like the show Fargo. Oh, yeah, that turned out to be great. Yeah, and I, I honestly wish they hadn't called it Fargo, and I probably would have gotten into it sooner. <laughs> you know? I actually have uh, seen all I've seen all of those. Actually. Yeah, I have, I too. Uh, I mean, I think yeah. it's fucking, I think that show's fucking great. And when they were saying that he was going to handle a Marvel universe, I was like, holy fuck, like, yeah. whatever car- whatever he decides on, it's going to be fucking genius. Yeah. The art direction's going to be great. The feeling's yeah. going to be great. Um Oh, oh my god, god dude! Stefan, <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't know that he fucking uh, didn't his do mic that. is is high Hold enough. Hold on a second, go. I'm gonna mu- mute him. Okay, All here right. we go. Oh, I'm muted. Right, oh, I was like, if nuts. someone can do that, fucking do it, man. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I just you know uh, I think the thing that sold me before the sh- I even saw an episode was. All the campaigning, all the artwork, all the... Mm. Just, it was so fucking weird, man. I was like, why is yeah. there a fucking frog in this fucking ad for Legion? Yeah, yeah, And yeah. then it, like, shows up in the episode, and I was just like, holy fuck, man. And then yeah. the last episode that premiered, Aubrey Plaza, it's slight just, clap. Oh, my God, dude. Killing it on that show. Dude, I, it's gonna... Uh, I mean, I'm not saying anything, but I just... You, yeah. I, I just... Everything they're doing is super smart, and... Um, you know, if like anything that Logan showed us that like you could make this different kind of superhero movie and, and it make a lot of money, I think Legion is showing us you can do the same thing in television. You don't have to follow this like one trick pony. Definitely. You know, it's like it can be something different. And I hope what Legion does, since it's already gotten a second season, is maybe we can do some of that in the film world as well. Like Legion has a dance routine uh, yeah. that yeah. feels appropriate. Noah really? Hawley is oh, a genius, man. Yeah. He's 
you know, and him and the people he keeps around him, the people he's working with and stuff. Like yeah. That, they're just doing such a good job of, you know, because it's not even, like, recognizable X-Men stuff yet. As far as I know, I'm three or four episodes in or something like that. But, um, but it just already feels like this brave new world. Totally. Totally. Stepping into. Yeah. I mean, I think it has the most style out of any, well, probably any show on television, but certainly any superhero show on television, far and away. Oh, yeah. 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 But... Man, I just I love it so much. It's like I, you know how you were saying it's like I don't want to watch this on this day. I want to watch it when I want to watch it. It's like if, if I'm not like off yeah. on Wednesday, I'm just like holy fuck. I wish I was off on Wednesday. No, can't go. I like want to watch it as soon as it's on. You know? Yeah. No, that's that's what I want to digest as soon as possible. Yeah, yeah. dude. So. Um, yeah. But, oh god, I fucking I love it, man. Like I can't. <laughs> it's so funny because like I've read some of the like the Marvel Now Legion stuff. Yeah, yeah. And wasn't too familiar. Like I remember having the comic with him on the cover and he's on fire. It's like yep. an X Men. Um, yep. I remember that that was my first introduction to Legion, but I was like so far removed from like the current story. Like I read and I was like, I don't even know what the fuck this means. Plus I'm like a child reading this, so you know. And, yeah, um, yeah. So I was like, oh, all right, well I know it's Xavier's son. And when they chose it, I was like, "This is so fucking weird." I know, and like, I was out like, of the all guy the things from you Downton could do, Abbey. Yeah. What? Dude, that guy's great. He's, he's incredible at it. Yeah. The only the only reason I might go see Beauty and the Beast is because I found out he plays the Beast. And that's yeah. right. Yeah. He's yeah. great. And I was, he's amazing. The guest was fucking guest, yeah. great. He's great, and I was like, "This guy Down, Downton Abbey is going to be like a throwback, like kind of like eighties <laughs> right, kind of thriller. Like, what the fuck?" I watched. I was like, "Yep, yeah. okay, this guy can do anything." I really didn't like the way he left downton abbey um because it was it was really really sudden and uh i i don't want to potentially spoil anything for any viewers who haven't you know haven't seen seen a frame yeah well it's a great show um but him leaving my the the impression i was left with was like dude you're you're quitting on the thing that's making you so famous like you're gonna go off and because you want to capitalize on that right now but like what are you gonna do no, it's called Legion. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Jump on that Marvel train, my friend. Yeah, it was the right call. Yeah, it must have been yeah, some of that. It was the right sure. call. <laughs> I mean, too, it's pro- I mean, I don't know what it's like to be an actor, but it's like, you know, if you don't really want to do that and you just got the job and you're just like, kind of like what we were talking about before, like when you work with people and they're like, oh, this guy's really great at this. Why is he leaving? It's just like. You know, sometimes you just gotta like follow the heart, man. Like, yeah, maybe it's true. he just wasn't into it. So he's yeah. like, I want to be in action movies and Marvel stuff because that's right, the shit yeah. I'm into. Yeah, that's how so. I am about serving tables. Like I'm the best. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to do something else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm I'm excited to see where that show goes, and it's kind of the same way with Iron Fist. Um, like, there's so much they wanted to tell there. And I just finished up uh, the, the the Iron Fist that dropped on Netflix this weekend. Um, yeah. I wrapped up with it yesterday, uh, and it feels like they, there's so much mystical stuff within the within that material that they want to tell, but they're really hesitant to do it out of fear of losing the audience. Um, yeah. So, like this season, I think I, I ended up giving it a, like a B plus overall. It's something I really enjoyed, and I will absolutely watch more, but it wasn't without its faults yeah i think out of five stars i gave it three like i really yeah. like yeah um but um yeah like i have totally agreeance with you with the uh the backstory of i wish there was more of that i yeah. wish they would have kind of taken like even though i'm not like dr strange was okay to me i didn't think it was that great 
Mm-hmm. I feel mm-hmm. like I've seen it before. I wish they would have done that with Iron Fist. Like, moved dope. it along a little faster. Yeah, just like I just I feel like that's why you watch Iron Fist. You want to know about mystical kung fu shit. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, And we got that. It's just that I think that the, what they were trying to emphasize is grounding Danny in uh, as a relatable char- human character before they dive into so much of that stuff. Yeah. Um, but you know, like I don't know. I just feel like audiences can handle it a little bit more. We didn't need to be so uh, shy about it. That was my kind of handle the gamble. Too, you know, like Marvel and Netflix can kind of like they can do elbow anything. room there, you know, because because yeah. then you if you you put out your first season, you know what I mean, and especially since every episode is streamable right at once, you get your feedback right away. Yeah, yeah. And then you're just like, all right, so we know where to move on second season. Like it's it's that's kind of an interesting thing we have now with a lot of these. Like you know, and the, I don't know what's gonna happen. I, I'm I have not given up hope. Yeah. That that Daredevil and the Defenders and Coulson and Daisy Johnson will show up in a Marvel movie with Cap and Iron Man and stuff. I'm not giving Ghost up Rider. on that. Ghost Rider. Ghost Rider. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I need it, uh, man. That was... I mean, yeah. they're the ones that set out to do that. And they were the ones who put out a huge ad campaign of, like, it's all connected. Like, they're the ones who made that promise. And they have to deliver on it. And they've been doing it for decades with comics. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like yeah. Marvel Studios did things that were not done in the in the film industry before, and created jobs that had to bridge the gap for those to facilitate doing those things. You know, and if the large part of the problem is that it's hard to keep continuity and get schedules and stuff, like that's a very solvable problem. <laughs> yeah. Get someone yeah, with a job whose problem <laughs> it is to solve. Yeah, that's what I think with like DC doing like recasting like, you know, like the Flash because I love the Flash television show. It's just like yeah. put those motherfuckers in the movie, man. They yeah. don't cost that much. The TV actors, I mean, I love them. They're great actors. Don't get me wrong, no, but they don't cost not, as much as Ben Affleck. Yeah, you know, yeah. And so why honest, not use that? Like the Arrowverse, the the Arrow Flash verse stuff on CW is the best thing that DC has going. Period. Oh yeah. I yeah. totally agree. I, Arrow being the like, I would much rather watch Arrow like the worst season over uh, Batman versus Superman. I would rather watch Arrow season four uh, than watch <laughs> Batman versus Superman. <laughs> Never thought about it, but yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I but will take. Like... Uh, I will watch all of the Elicity again and again and again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What uh? What comics are you are you reading? Anything currently? That you're just like, dude, check this out. Like, so, this is the new yeah, shit. yeah, no, I've got a few things because we started a comic book reading club at work. Um, I just picked up Nameless wow. by Grant Morrison. Oh, so uh, good. So good. I, so that's awesome. Up. Okay, great. That's awesome. I have literally love Grant Morrison. Page, and, yeah. that's, and I was like, I'm buying this. It's, um, it's like I, he watched Event Horizon and went, what if it was more fucked up? <laughs> this could be way <laughs> And there was magic. <laughs> like, yeah, so like the cover is just astronauts with magic symbols on them and i was like yeah i'm i'm getting that uh so thanks to my fuck but i've read it a couple of times and i don't know if i still know what's going on but it's fun (laughs) i also i bought um both uh the the complete run so both trades of um the vision uh marvel's the vision uh where he creates a family for himself and they live in the suburbs and it just goes way bad (laughs) Uh, i've heard that's really really great series yeah it's super good, yeah. 
Um, also, um, a um, smaller indie book called Tomboy by Mia Goodwin, um, who also went to SCAD. I think she was a former professor at SCAD, actually, oh, in cool. the in the um, um, sequential. Yeah. Uh, but Tomboy is the is like the magical girl archetype, like Sailor Moon style, but it's flipped uh, and takes a darker twist. Um, and it's it's really good and it has cool art. It's kind of like cool. if you like if you've ever read Lock and Key and like that. Oh my god, I think dude! That you'd be drawn to Tomboy. Done. Yeah. Nice. Done. <laughs> Next thing. I fucking cool. love Lock I and Key. Get on my shit right now, man. I'm downloading <laughs> all apps. <laughs> Fuck. I'm actually on Comicology right now, so awesome, <laughs> putting awesome. shit on my fucking wish list. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Dude, like working at a, like a, a a bookstore, used bookstore, man. Like I just had pl- like just comics coming in all the time. Yeah. So like I just like devoured everything that like looked yeah. halfway interesting. What I don't like is buying single issues because oh, I don't God, collect them. But I do love buying trades because then you can just sprinkle those all throughout your house and. When someone yeah. comes over, they're like, "Oh, hey, neat." I've predominantly oh. bought trades. Oh. Since. <laughs> I used to collect wizard. I used to collect Wizard magazine. Oh, nice! Yeah, issue by issue, I had boxes full of wizards, and never, never a single issue of any other comic book. But you knew, <laughs> but you knew when all the trade, the collected editions were coming out, so all my comics were like fucking trades, and so it's yeah, like, I've yeah. never, I've never strayed away from that. But now I'm gonna go digital, I think, and. Yeah, it's Look, just like, it's you know, it really depends on your phone, like, on your iPad, yeah. whatever. It's, it's easier to deal with yeah. too, because yeah. when I when I'm flipping through on my iPad, I'll put that down and pick it up at, at work on my phone, and Comicsology will just pick it up from the same page. Yeah, that's yeah. the syncing up it is really cool. That's you know? like the thing that Tom Hanks and Big was making that made him super rich and famous at the <laughs> right. toy at the toy factory or whatever it was. Yeah. Right. Like we have that technology now. Yeah, <laughs> dude. yeah totally. Wait, let's go back to Iron Fist since we were kind of heading that direction. Oh, right. That was yeah. our yeah. next topic. Yeah. So yeah, you don't got to be anywhere, do you, Matt? We no, I'm good, man. This okay, is my yeah. Monday. You're you're kind of like free for the next <laughs> eight <laughs> hours, bro. <probably. laughs> right. This is gonna it's gonna be a long episode. I feel like. So anyway, um, just to kind of throw it out there, I've only seen uh, two and a half episodes so far. I cannot yeah. digest media as fast as everybody else can. I feel like <laughs> I just cannot. Recovering but, from an from surgery, so I've had nothing but time to watch shit. It's all I, good. I spend all day watching it yeah. because I'm a 33 so, year old adult and can do whatever I want. That's right. That's right. That's you right. always remember that. Yeah. <laughs> tomorrow I took off. Why well, I didn't take it? I usually have it off, but tomorrow I just like I told everybody don't like fucking leave me alone because I'm gonna go buy some toys and I'm gonna read some comics. Oh uh, yeah. Fucking day. Love it. Because <laughs> I'm it. an adult, goddammit. God damn it. I'm a 33 year old man. <laughs> Who was taking a big ass piss here? Oh sorry, that was me rinsing out a coffee mug. <laughs> oh, okay. I how sensitive my microphone is. Could totes hear that. <laughs> sorry about that. Um anyway, so like real quick about Iron Fist, I I just wanted to say like go, like kind of two and a half episodes in I can feel where the negative reviews are coming from, but they're not as bad as yeah, yeah. what everybody is saying. But it, it it feels like it's some weird combination of being rushed, probably a bad director, to be honest with you. It seems like they didn't know what they were doing with a few things. A little bit loose editing, too. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, like, it's like cut to A, cut to B, cut yep, to A, yep. when they're talking. And... Also, just a broad strokes thing here, but the 
having two episodes of a kung fu movie being almost completely in a psychic ward is just not fun at all. <laughs> it really yanks the pace out from under it. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. look, I know that you're going to question who Danny Rand is, but where's the kung fu, man? Where is it? We've so, seen a, like, cu- a couple couple fights. Every one of us who who tries to create a story has has come up with the against the same problem where you logically you go okay this is the beginning and then this happened then this happened and this happened but usually when we hear from other inspirational sources it's like okay throw out all this now this is where your start story starts which is why like star wars is episode four and starts with a bunch of rebels in the middle of nowhere and you know who who are a ragtag band instead of the entire rebel army like the right. interesting story was the smaller scoped thing in the middle. Yeah, um, yeah. I think. I think Iron Fist has gotten a totally unfair rap from its early critical reviews. Um, I'm gonna leave the cultural appropriation stuff for people who are more prepared to talk about that. <laughs> uh, that is, yeah, a whole other topic, but. <laughs> That that pro I, actually just to touch on it real quick, I feel like that might be a factor in at least some people's negative reviews. I think they, so. They, they go into it hating it from the get go. Yeah. Because of the appropriation thing, and it's maybe a kind, of, maybe even a kind of passive aggressivism. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like mob mentality, but on the internet, you know, like which we still deal with all the time. Yeah. But yeah, like yeah. the tone had been set for what. The reception was going to be and the first thing that happened was a whole big negative controversy about race so when the reviews came out people were primed to have a bad reaction and so things that are actually validly um valid things to criticize about the show got blown up into bigger things and then as more people reviewed it and saw the reaction they got swept up and being like, yeah, yeah, that's right. Oh, plus this is garbage, you know? And right, right, right. So for me personally, Iron Fist, uh, Matt Fraction and Ed Brubaker's run of uh, The Immortal Iron Fist was what got me back into reading comics as an adult. Just bought that for three ninety nine on Comics. <laughs> it's well worth Mid-podcast. it. Mid-podcast. It is so worth it. And I have spent like 10, 15 years or whatever going like, oh, God, I wish this was live action. It'd be so cool. We're kind of getting that. Uh, <laughs> like, it's... The thing is, is that this this whole season feels like the groundwork. Uh, and I and I think season two is going to be the more interesting jumping on point. If um, we get there, I mean, with all this we'll bad there. reaction... I nah, mean, we'll they're, they're going to make it. It's fucking Netflix we'll and Marvel, there. man. Yeah. Fuck. I mean, I hope they do. They do. They I do. I'm just, yeah. I'm just afraid because they've never... I don't think Marvel's ever had anything that low other than the fucking... F- f- uh, Fantastic Four shit. Howard the Duck, yeah, and Fantastic Four. I mean, Four. any of the Ghost Rider movies. I mean, they've been here. They know. But those aren't. But those still aren't Marvel Studios driven yeah, properties. True. Yeah, yeah. You know, those yeah, are Marvel true. associated properties. Um, so you Maybe. can't count the X Men films. You can't count the Fantastic Four stuff. You've got to look at the Avengers line of cinematic shared universe, um, Agents of Shield, and the Netflix shows. That's really the only things that are Marvel. I mean, the the other thing is, like, another big broad stroke thing here is just the martial arts aspect of this show. Yeah. We have shows like End of the Badlands getting a second season. That's Finally. That's what a big that thing. Like that's, that's Tonight. <laughs> com- premiere. Oh, tonight. that. Uh, maybe I do have something I got to do tonight. Tonight of this recording. <laughs> so anyway, so 
And, and then in your very same universe, you have a character that seemingly fights better than this guy, at least yeah. martial arts style. So it's it's just a problem that I think they need to address. I mean, sure, I'm not saying recast this guy. I'm sure a lot of people, the cultural appropriation people, are saying that. But I'm I'm just saying put this guy through the through the fucking fire, man. You need to put yeah. you need to give well, this guy a better trainer, dude. He needs a better trainer. Maybe honestly. maybe we'll see more of that. Uh, I'm sorry, Manny. Go ahead. Uh, is Danny Rand like? Is he a white guy or is he Asian? He's white in the comics. So he's white. What's the What's the issue with like his the issue? Character? The issue is that all right to play. I don't know if you call Devil's Advocate, but to play the other side real quick. Everybody was white except for like two people. Uh, Correct. You know, yeah. Falcon and uh, I, mean, the world, I, I mean, Black I mean, Panther. That's... So it's 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 like I mean. They changed uh, uh, Nick Fury to, you know, a black dude, and nobody really says anything about that except for a few people. And but it's not – okay, but that's not like they straight up just – he was a white guy one day, and then somebody drew him as as Sam Jackson the next day. Like it's – there's a real convoluted but clear answer as to what happened there, but it it definitely started as like, well, all these guys are white guys. Let's just – It'd be awesome if he was a black dude. I mean, these yeah. comics started in a, in the fucking fifties yeah. or before, dude. Where, right? I think I'm, I think I'm, in I'm not, people, not, black I'm people didn't have about... enough money to buy comics yeah. to about characters that look like them. Most of the, that's and, it's and, just, and and it's just despite a, all their from a shitty time in America, you know, that's, that's yeah, what it comes just, down to. Despite all their faults <laughs> and they're and like continuing to stumble through this stuff. At the same time, historically, Marvel as a company has been supremely progressive about pushing forward equality yeah. uh in in gender and race relations and um, i think in the instance of, sorry ahead, man. Ahead. no 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 go ahead um uh, i think in the instance of iron fist more to what maddie was kind of asking is i think it's a lot of people who don't are, a lot of people who are criticizing it aren't people that know who iron fist is Right. I think right. it's it's media outlets, uh, people who are familiar with this type of media, but but don't really know who Iron Fist is. Is like, oh, if it's a kung fu show, it should have an Asian lead character. Yeah. Um, which is inherently Marvel. Racist, which a, which yeah, would be which inherent... would be which would be Shen Chi or whatever his name is, Chang Chi or whatever, the master of kung fu, the Marvel character. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, Shang Chi. Yeah. yeah it's, so it's, so you know, and that's the show. That's the show that people would would think Marvel would do now to keep things more diverse. However, it's a less popular character. And I think, you know, a lot of that, I think the cultural appropriation, like in movies like, um, uh, what was that? Ridley Scott, Moses movie. You know, Exodus. Bill and, no, that, and there is, it, 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 it plays, it plays a huge in, in the reason why that movie wasn't successful, why it wasn't believable. And also, you know, the issue that rise at that, rises up with like the cultural appropriation where in contrast to like ghost in the shell, you know, it's, it, it sucks in a lot of ways that, you know, they can't just cast an Asian actress to be this Asian character originally or whatever. But on the other side, there's the issue of like, they wouldn't have had the money to even make ghost in the shell if it wasn't for Scarlett Johansson. You have to look at it too, is for, it's a female fronted, like big blockbuster action movie. Like, I understand yeah. everyone's upset and I get it. Like I'm also exactly, like yeah. talking with the new Marvel universe. I love Camilla Khan. I love fucking like the new Hulk. Like they're all yeah. great. I yeah. can't wait to see those motherfuckers. Miles Morales, dude. But Miles yeah, Morales. No, yeah. I can't wait because they're doing that animated thing with like Ice Cube's yeah. going to play the father or whatever. Yeah. I'm fucking into that shit. But it's like you got it. Like take take your small victories. 
Like, yeah. we get a fucking Ghost in the Shell movie. Like, if it's shitty, whatever, that's going to suck. Yeah. But it's like, at least it's female-fronted. We're also getting a fucking Wonder Woman movie, man. No, I know, I know. And, and I, know what you're, like, I know what you're getting at. And, like, it's... Because everything that we're going to say certainly has a counterpoint that makes what we're saying sound oh, yeah, worse than it is. <laughs> yeah. But, like, like, let's, like, sticking with Danny Rand specifically, you know, I understand the motivation and and the the perspective as much as i can behind the a cultural appropriation aspect of the white savior coming in and being the best at <laughs> kung fu white savior that's an actual I thing look he... it up yeah yeah it <laughs> is. on wikipedia it, it is yeah. but at the same time the, the 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 tenements of kung fu say that anyone can do it if you absolutely. train hard enough and absolutely. it's like absolutely i'd rather stop making race such an important uh, yeah fucking yeah that, that, dude <laughs> that, that's that's what kills me because so we're supposed to be a country that values being a melting pot but the but people are saying Not anymore dude <laughs> people are saying this this a this kung fu role has to be an asian it's just like dude this what does this sound like on the surface man sure yeah. it's part of their culture but I think if you were to focus on the cultural exchange there, like I would have, I would love to have like 18 episodes. I haven't seen it yet, but I would love to have like half the fucking season to be like, "Fuck you, why do you don't know our ways?" You know, and he, that, gets, hit, he not, gets hit. It's not like that's not a part of it. He gets hit in the head by like a, you know, like I mean, an ancient Chinese is... master or something, and then he's yeah. like slowly learns how they do shit, and it's not about him forcing white people ways. It's about this guy learning how the fuck they do shit. Yeah, I mean, how you, is that racist to say some shit like that? I don't think so. Yeah, it's about. I mean, because like the whole point of kung fu and I think in martial arts period and art period is it's human. It's achievable by all humans. It's about the dedication it takes. To well, get there to there is a history of kung fu not being taught to Westerners, and didn't even Bruce Lee get in trouble for teaching some? It's sure, pretty, but he, it's I think pretty he's recent. Great, he's a yeah. great example, but that's still racist. You know, and I mean, I'm not saying it's right, but I'm saying that that's part of actual history is all I'm saying. Yeah. And I think I mean, if we were to probably dig into the history, I'm sure that there are influences for that because you you don't want to teach your enemies your techniques. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. You know, back when. Yeah. Back when the feudal war, like every civil rights era, you know, like the 60s in California. You would have had. Like I'm speaking to what you were saying, Matt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Well, oh, I can keep going, I guess. Um, um, like, because well, you brought I up just, Bruce Lee. Um, yeah. Oh, right, go yeah, go yeah, through what you're saying. I was just gonna say no, that like go. Bruce Lee is a great example <laughs> of of somebody who I think saw the truth of it. Like these things are are gifts to all mankind. In yeah, their essence, yeah, yeah, I think so. so yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah. you know, that's as far as I'm going to comment on it because anything else, I'm going to say the wrong thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, so back, to, back to Iron Fist though. And like what Maddie was asking, like, I think, I think in this instance with Iron Fist, it's kind of like, it brings the issue up, um, obviously, but also, you know, it's battling two things. It's battling like fandom and it's also battling like, um, a societal, a pivotal like societal issue yeah you know so it's just like like trying to dance on it. and i'm sure when they were developing this show they didn't think thing one about it they're like we're just gonna make an iron fish show it's gonna be great yeah yeah you know well yeah. you know hopefully or, I mean, or it ended up being... that, 
um, uh, what's her face got cast as uh, the ancient one in in right, yeah, in, yeah. You know, I, like I think the the thought there yeah. was, oh shit, it's gonna be awesome if if it's a yeah. woman, it's awesome. Great actress, woman, like yeah, yeah she was she was the best part of the movie. Mix it up, me. let's you know, throw people for a loop, and then it turns out to be like this is just what happens every single time. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, Damn but it. And, and, and like with comic book movies and sci-fi movies and stuff like that that are based on properties where you're where you're playing on all these different sensibilities and sensitivities that the fandom has towards things. <clears throat> Can we talk um, about Batman versus Superman for one second? Yeah, oh, God. it's a it's a recurring second. theme on this Two show. Hours later. You know what? Since, since the beginning, and we talked about Iron Fist and this <laughs> cultural appropriation shit in our first long enough. two episodes or so. <laughs> <laughs> I I I actually have a deeply rooted issue with how close Metropolis and Gotham are to each other. I think that's Ugh. so stupid. I agree it's with so you. So stupid because it's the same city, and it was those comics were made in a time when you kind of you had to invent um, a fictional city, you know. And so now there, it's again, it's that it's the problem of trying to ground things no, in our I mean, reality. Like I stop mean, doing that shit. I mean, their locations to one another in Batman versus Superman, they were across a bay from each other. Yeah, was, right. Exactly. It was dumb. Yeah. Like in there's like, no way you're getting from New York to Chicago in that time Gotham, frame. Gotham is Jersey. You don't need two superheroes in in each city if they're that close together. Oh no! Yeah. Not if one of them's fucking yeah. Superman. Right. <laughs> like, or Batman I, for that matter. <laughs> well, I mean, Batman can't. Like, I mean, I don't right, think. Like, I mean, I guess with legendary. the Batmobile, but it's like. It's, it's Superman's like otherworldly, you know. Like I get it, him being able to mm. cover that. Batman, I feel like would be a little stressed. He flew to the Middle he East. He be Bruce Wayne pretty quickly, you know. Like yeah, yeah. That, that's, I, that that's also the least of that show. movie's problems, man. Honestly, that's that was <laughs> Those just little rascals. Yeah. Well, I remember when that scene came up. I was like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" Like it's a, what? It's <laughs> just like, let's just move it to this Gotham Harbor real quick, yeah. so we can have this fight. What? Who I knew it was coming because I was at a panel where Zack Snyder was saying it's it's across the bay, like what? Like the Bay Area. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. was the thinking because yeah. they need they wanted them to just be close for you know convenience for of storytelling or something. Well, okay, and that's it, it's really brushing up against another point that I have about film directors and comic book movies. So much of the time, the film side of things thinks it's beyond or it's better than the source material. Ugh. Yeah, and that's, what they that's where a lot of these fuck ups come from. Yeah, like we, how yeah. many? Like it's taken us what our our uh, eighth Spider Man film to finally get a suit that looks like the one from the fucking comic books. <laughs> yeah, like it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Like, Superman, Batman, and everybody haven't been around for nearly a century without knowing what they're doing, without getting something right, you know? So, like, I, there should be more respect for the material. And, I, like, I understand the difficulties of translating something one-to-one. -one. You, you can't. But what Batman versus Superman is compared to what it is in the pages is nowhere near each other. So you're more of a Morrison guy, I take it, than an Alan Moore guy? <laughs> um, I don't know. I take whatever's good. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. I'm a Jonathan Hickman guy. Okay. Yeah, he's good stuff. I'm a Jason Aaron guy. Yeah, oh, I love Jason Aaron. Yeah. Oof. Southern Bastards is so good. <laughs> uh, Jonathan Hickman um, was the lead force behind uh, Marvel's uh, Secret Wars 2. That just happened. Okay. Um, any of that. Where th that was their big 
uh, event, what was it, 2015 into 16, where they kind of rebooted the Marvel comic book universe to be more approachable to people who wanted to jump on. Oh, Um, yeah. (laughs) And they they took all of, like, their multiverse stuff, which is, you know, and and all all of their separate versions and alternate versions of characters, and they collapsed all of their multiverse down into a single planet that was a patchwork of, of other planets. Um, held together Shit's by too complicated man. It but yeah. it was so well done, yeah. and the art was spectacularly good. It was it, it was all held together by God Doom. It was Doom with the power of a god, and <laughs> it was fucking awesome. <laughs> and that was one of the best things I've read in the past couple of years. I, I'm just glad uh, that they brought back uh, Old Man Logan. <laughs> yeah, that shit was good. Oh, yeah, it's awesome. Uh, um, but yeah. Wait, so any more gripes about Iron Fist? It's, it's, or it's not, it's, it's not <laughs> that bad. That's all I have to say. It's, it's not really, that bad. It's really not that bad. It's really not that bad. You, like, you're going to... Any of the negative reviews that you've read, you'll find truth of them, but you're mostly going to go like, what? Like, it's not that bad. Like, yeah, it's pretty yeah. good. Um, there I, just are, I hope the fans speak. I hope, I hope all... Like, I, yeah, yeah. Over the critics. I hope the fans speak over the critics. I think that the Meachams, the the brother and sister who are uh, support characters, were initially like really unappealing and boring to me. Um, oh, that's good they, to hear for me so far. Uh, <laughs> because they felt too much just like generic, um, cold business people. Yeah. And as the season went on, I think Ward, who was who exemplifies the the more boring of the two, Ward became one of the most realistically human portrayals on the entire show. He's like the most realistic person on the entire show. Matt, I'm glad you brought that up because towards the end of the series, I was like, I almost would like, cause I have some issues with the Kung Fu and stuff in it. And, you know, after watching like years of Kung Fu films, like amazing ones, mm-hmm. it's just like hard to watch sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I actually found myself going, where's Ward at? What's he doing? <laughs> yeah. Because I want to know what him and his sister are up yeah. to with the father, like with everything that happens between that fam- that, yeah. that, that uh, triangle family stuff. Yeah. I was really interested in that aspect of it. Um, I do have an issue with the main villain at the end because I was like, really? This is what we get with a fucking yep. mystical kung fu yep. guy? But um, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm in agreement with it. It's, it's not that bad. I think once – I think – I think once he joins the defenders, I think that's when we'll see a Danny Rand shine. So that you, way they can get through all the shit and go. And season two will be much better. Do you guys? Did any of you guys watch Agents of Shield or or currently do? Negative. I just watched the Ghost Rider uh, little run. That's so it. Good. That's awesome. Oh, dude! Um, I want him. I want. I want that Ghost Rider to have his own you're, show. You're pretty big yeah. on on Agents of Shield, right, Matt? Yeah, dude. I'm so glad I stuck with it. And I actually have just. I'm um, I'm into the third season again. I just have finished rewatching the first and second. When the first season was first airing, it was at times kind of cringeworthy and rough to to go through with. And I'm really glad I stuck with it because the first half of that season is really drawn out and slow. And and um, I think there are parallels to what I felt with uh, parts of Iron Fist. Uh, but once what was it captain america winter soldier winter soldier finally came out and revealed the big twist with hydra like agents of shield i was waiting to adopt that they knew that was coming and like all their other writing was like okay hold on hold on go um and like everything got better beyond that point 
and I feel like with the Defenders coming, the first season of Iron Fist is such a setup for who Danny is and the story they want to tell there, but also trying not to overdo it so that they can save, oh shit, moments for the Defenders. Yeah, I also want to say that I think, too, I think people are kind of getting... I mean, you have Legion, which in my opinion is, like, great. It's just, like, the style I like, the weirdness yeah. I like, the, the uh, you know, it's like... I don't know. Like, I watched a, a a little video of, like, what if Wes Anderson did the X-Men? I was like, oh, it's like Legion. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, 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 yeah. I was going to say <laughs> and, that, too. And, um, and I think people were just kind of getting tired of the origin, because that's what my big issue was with uh, Doctor Strange. Mm-hmm. I was like, I've seen this. It's called Iron Man. It just has magic. I don't yep. care. Yep. And I, I feel like Iron Fist, that's why I was, like we were talking earlier, I wish it would have been a little bit more mystical, fantastical, maybe a little yeah. more humorous. Because I'm getting tired of seeing these characters like... You know, like, it's essentially Daredevil, you know, except he yeah. has a power. And yeah. it's just like, but I already have Daredevil, and Daredevil's good. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, then, and then we're going to get Punisher, which is, his only thing is, that's different is, he kills people. Right. Hey, I'm going to ask, like, can you guys spoil one thing with just a yes or a no? Is there a hallway fight scene from Daredevil Season 1, Episode 2, or a prison Punisher fight scene level... You know, in season two of Daredevil, is there a fight scene that crazy? They try. Yes. They yes. try. Okay. Yes. All right. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Good to hear. Good to hear. Um, Good to hear. It, it's like you have to. You'll. Okay. So if you binge it, I think you'll acclimate to its style regardless. But you're not going to get the same kind of fights that you got on Daredevil because, you know, that's their show team, their creators, their choreographers. But also, aside from that, that's Daredevil. That's his style. Danny yeah. has a different style. And there are there's a particular scene where an elevator opens and it's full of bad guys and Danny just very fiercely but calmly steps into the elevator and then the door shut and I was like oh damn that's badass that's okay, like okay. as badass as badass as it felt when Cap was in an elevator with a bunch of guys you know and it's like before we start does anyone want to get off like you bring me oh, up dude, dude i don't <laughs> think that scene was that good as that cat i really so like that scene i don't think it was as good as the hallway fight the one shot daredevil thing i just don't think it has the correct this is what i like no i hear what you're saying i hear what you're saying i don't think it has the same like i think some of the showrunners were kind of misdirected or they maybe they didn't watch any kung fu films or they haven't seen the raid and i'm not saying i knew that <laughs> stuff you know and Ip man or something yeah, right. like something yeah. like, or just like a fucking Bruce Lee movie, man. Just like, like I don't know. It's just like, it's like they miss the mark on a lot of it. I mean, there yeah. are moments where you're like, fuck yes, there's there it is, there's the kung fu. Yeah, yeah, I got yeah. It. But it's just like, and I, I agree with you too. I think they're not trying to, I feel like they're saving the best Danny Rand Iron Fist moments for Defenders. I think so Like too. his power, I think they're just going to be like, oh, you thought Iron Fist was kind of shitty. Wait till you see this shit. Yeah. And I think they're 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 just playing it down his power wise and like they're what also, he can do. Well, yeah, and they're also following um, like some more classic age comic book influence, like yeah. back when back to kind of um, balance the power curve uh, in Iron Fist stories. Like it was established that he couldn't do it all the time. Like he needed to recharge his chi after a while, mm-hmm. and. You know, in over the course of the season, like you can see him struggle with being able to summon it when he wants it. Like there are times when it's great, times it's not. Um, but it's still just him summoning the Iron Fist and you know punching through a wall. Like that is what it is capable of. But it is capable of so much more, so much more. 
Dude, yeah. I'm gonna read this run, man. Shit. Oh, dude, that run has an. Oh, yeah. I can't. No, I can't. I have another friend that's through. like that. That just says all the praises for that run. Yeah. So I'm it, finally. It is, the, it is the run that made me go, "Whoa, comics have grown a lot. I can get into this." Like, because I gave up Damn. in the '90s thanks to Rob Liefeld and the Ugh, and, and stuff guy. like the Onslaught <laughs> story. You know, I was like, I just, I can't. Yeah. I, Onslaught. I forgot about him. Yeah. You know, so I quit on comics as much as I loved X Men and Spider Man and Cap and you know and and when real moral things would come up in life, I would secretly say to myself, "What would Captain America do?" Like, like even be even carrying all of that with me, there was an era in the '90s when it was just so bad that I stopped. And age I think of most apocalypse. Did. It was, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the age of it was the age of Liefeld. I think that that whole era nearly ruined it. Yeah, um, which is what you know. Honestly, like Marvel almost went bankrupt, and yeah. they they sold off their movie rights to Fox, Sony, and and others, uh, which is how they stayed afloat. Which is why we're still in the mess that we're in now. Way to go, right. Marvel! Jeez, <laughs> way to stay in the <laughs> Marvel. God. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That's I think funny. comics are. I mean, I just I love everything that's coming out. I wish I had the money to buy everything that's coming out. Yeah. Like the the independent like. I, I mean, I think the only reason I read Image was for Spawn. I don't, I can't tell you anything else that was on there that I was like, oh, I gotta pick that up. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, but Image now is like, oh god, like Image is Image the is fucking like, place to go, man. Yeah, yeah. For anything cool, inventive, like Saga's fucking great. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I've read Everything Robert Kirkman's written. Oh, dude, I fucking <laughs> love much. Outcast so much. I Isn't Image yeah. about to start their cinematic universe? Like, aren't they dude. about to come up with something? I, I uh, hope so. Valiant actually is if yeah. you can believe that or not. Yeah, that's right. Dude, yeah. there's a Jeff Lemire uh, yeah. run. It's called like the Valiant Wars or something, and it's like reintroducing all these characters. Yeah, it's so good, and it's just like a one shot, man. It's just like all these characters thrown into one. They're all like they meet up with each other, and they have these like funny little quips and stuff about like, oh, where have you been? Blah blah blah, and it's just like getting ready, like because I remember Love being. It. I never read any Bloodshot, but I always liked the character design. Of Dude, him. they're making a Bloodshot movie with. I, Guess who fucking the Green Ranger? <laughs> Jason David Frank is Bloodshot. Wow, really? Yeah. That's going to be I the era that... of like where, where, it, where, um, you know, like underground comics and indie film. Uh, hopefully we'll get like an era of this stuff because really Deadpool was like a success there in a lot of ways, other than being marketing for it, being pumped through it, you know, like the, the means of getting there. But, you know, like with the Valiant. Uh, series you see the trailer for like ninjack and everything you know it's like super low budget but they do have enough fan following to like characters in their own way in their own grassroots kind of way it's pretty cool yeah and uh, things like deadpool and logan are great examples of how to do their individual superheroes right um but I, you still see plenty of people learning the wrong lessons. Like I've already heard people say, like, "Well, Logan teaches us that people love rated R superhero films." It's like, no, you fucking, no, <laughs> no. Yeah. Uh, I'm agreeance with you, sir, in that statement you just made. But you Logan can make a good PG-13, right? Superhero but Wolverine movie. has knives in his fucking hands, and it makes sense that it be rated R. Yeah. I mean, I think you could have even made a good PG-13 Wolverine. They just didn't. I mean, the Wolverine gets really close until they yeah. like, there are moments in that I'm like, this is cool. Like, the, yeah. W- yeah. do I want more blood? Yes. I always want more blood. I was <laughs> raised in the nineties. I love Predator. I love R-rated movies, 
I think the thing that Deadpool brought when I watched Deadpool, I went, "Holy fuck! I miss R-rated movies." Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Because the only but R-rated movies sense. I were watching like, were like horror films. I don't want an R-rated Spider-Man. That wouldn't make any sense. No, no, no. Yeah. No. <laughs> no, no, no. I want to no, hear him no, say weird. fuck. <laughs> I, I mean, want to see Mary Jane doesn't say fuck. <laughs> it, it's some. It's it's weird when sometimes like. <laughs> Some of your characters say curse like a, a minor curse word, and you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Would that character actually say that? Like, hold the phone. I know did you want to be gritty. Did Raphael just say, "Damn"? Yeah, yeah that's right. What he did. It's yeah. <laughs> a gritty ass comic, boy. <laughs> uh, uh, Iron Fist actually rides right up to that wall, and because they say shit plenty, um, yeah. but Claire at one point goes, "What the." F are you thinking? And I was like, oh, there it is. You can't go that far. All right, cool. <laughs> I mean, it's weird that they couldn't win. Like, I mean, like, I don't feel like there's, the, I mean, I, I'm sure there's a plethora of Iron Fist fans out there. For the general public, though, that are just going to watch this and this is their Iron Fist story, I don't think anyone would have cared if she would have dropped an F-bomb. No, Plus, but, you get you know, one fucking PG-13 movies anyway, so they yeah. could have said it once. But it just so makes yeah, it, get one of them. you know, it's comic book code, it's approachability, it's fine. Comic book code, that's... <laughs> Well, <laughs> that's more or less gone, though, isn't it? Uh, it's relaxed a lot, but it's still important. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, There's the still, thing like, is, a the... standard in its practices kind yeah. of deal for DC and Marvel, for sure. Yeah. But just um, the way that, like, you would never see somebody smoking weed on television in the 90s. Now it's, yeah. you know, like, the Simpsons, showed, you know, like the Simpsons showed Homer smoking meth. Really? <laughs> Yeah, like holy shit. Because because like weed is becoming really? so much closer to being <laughs> nationally legalized, and it's no longer a taboo yeah. thing in the same way that it was. Oh, There's an escalation to, to go to the next thing that has taboo quality. How and the mighty breaking, have fallen. And because of Breaking Bad, like meth is now that much more normalized in media. So yeah, The Simpsons had Homer um, put a, a crack pipe up to his lips and. Um, or a meth pipe? I don't know enough yeah. about meth to know the difference. But in <laughs> <laughs> the first, they show Marge's tits and Playboy, and now Homer yeah, smoking there you meth. Go. Like that's so messed up, man. What is happening? Yeah. I've been watching. This is an obsession of mine. I've been watching. I watched the first ten years of The Simpsons like once a year. Yeah, I'll yeah. go through the whole thing. God, just like serious? pick up on what made it so good and why yeah. it's so shitty now. You know, yeah. I was just in Simpsons Land yesterday. I know, oh, yeah. Andrew got to go. I would fucking flip, it's, man, when you said that. I was just like, holy shit. It's actually pretty magical. It's like, you know, when you go to Disneyland, it's like, I, you know, I grew up with Disney. This is cool, whatever. But Simpsons is just cooler, man. I don't know. Even if the yeah. rides aren't as good. Yeah. Actually, yeah. actually, they have one really good ride, but it's just all the characters are there. And you, you can, can get a Krusty Moe's. Burger That's and you can awesome. get a, I, I got, you know, I had a Duff beer and there's Flaming nice. Moe energy drinks yeah. and. It's just awesome, dude. It was a fucking awesome time, man. You can get a lard lad donut and shit. That's it's cool. fucking great. It's yeah. it's an A plus on that shit. Cool. But now it's Can't it seems like it's in the dumps. <laughs> I hear like there's like waves of Simpsons now where it gets good for a little minute yeah, and then it yeah. gets like really shitty. It's like Yeah. I mean it's I been know. on for almost thirty years. Like, yeah, it's exactly. Got, it's yeah, a roller coaster sure. of quality. For know, sure. It really comes down to whoever's running the team and who's on the team, and there yeah, have definitely um, been strides when it's like, "Hey, this is pretty good. All right," and it and it has stayed that way, but then lost it. Yeah, I mean, whatever. Uh, I'm gonna go. So this time around, I'm gonna watch all the old stuff, but I'm gonna try and keep 
going through and see how much I can like catch up into. It's for me. It's I mean, there's like an there's like an era of Simpsons when they started being self-referential and saying things like the Simpsons are going to blank and yeah yeah you know that was like <laughs> yeah. the, oh god this is the Star Wars Christmas and then we've just done so. I have I have this fantasy where Simpsons grows up by like five years. Yeah. Oh, they did I mean, an like episode you about Bart, that. You see Bart in high school, and like they always do episodes about it, you know, which well, are been, great. But it's, yeah, in the new, like in the newest stuff, they've like established a future timeline that they keep going back to. Um, like, oh, really? Is, it, is this a backdoor pilot type situation going on? I don't think so. I, I wouldn't be surprised. I think that's a plausible way to look at it. I think it was yeah. more just like an interesting writing thing to do. Um, because like they did a Christmas episode that takes place where Bart has kids, but he's still a failure. Yeah. And it was um, supposed to be, it was that episode in particular was originally conceived as the end of the Simpsons. It's a really great. Fucking oh, episode. I didn't know that. It's, That's cool. Yeah. Look it up. It's a really good episode. I went forward and I found it and I watched it. It's awesome. It's a really good, like sewing up of the whole, like, yeah, it is, you know, uh, the continuity, I guess. of the I Simpsons. don't know. I can't remember if that's the same episode. It probably is, but it's, oh, okay, it's sorry, a, a Bart's life. It's a boy's life, but with Bart. Yeah. And it's really good. Yeah. Yeah. That one's good too. Um, um, I, I hope it ends but, up. Uh, with uh, <laughs> I, I like we we're, we're or now something. You know what I mean? Like, like I said, like, Rugrats did it when they made them little teens. I never watched that show, but I was like, it seemed like it was yeah. kind of. Oh, I did when it was on, man. I was too old, probably, but yeah. I, I watched that. Doug did that <laughs> too. It was good. It was, like, yeah, it ran the know, same was, time as like Doug and shit. So I was like, yeah. But like I'll watch Doug it. did like yeah. the college years, just like Saved yeah. by the Bell. Yeah, yeah that's true. That's true. It did. Yeah. That shit was crazy. But, you know, like, dude, when it I moved like... over to ABC, they called it brand spanking new Doug. Didn't I had watched every single episode of Doug like four times or more, and then they yeah. changed they changed some shit like fucking Roger got rich and yeah some other yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, man, yeah. they why they change all the shit for the new Doug? But it was it was it was good yeah. overall, I guess. Yeah, like, I think the Simpsons. Would... Who did Skeeter? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Skeeter and and I, yeah. Yeah, Patty Mayonnaise is right, right, right. Some changes there as well. I want to say Hey Arnold did like a growing up thing too. Really, I wonder. For some reason, I never gotten a Hey Arnold. I don't know why. No, I liked Hey Arnold. It was like super urban. It was like grimy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's stoop kid and everything. Yeah. Um, but I think yeah, uh, maybe back, just because uh, I was I think living this... in the country, I didn't really get that stuff. But oh, are we yeah, ready to? That's true. I, well, not I got it, but I didn't. I couldn't relate to it as much. You didn't get it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I I just um, totally whenever. Yeah, I... we should move on to this. Uh, Am I cutting into Hugh, Hugh Jackman? I think Hugh Jackman's no, about to call in, so we're gonna. Yeah. Matt, you can stay on if you want. Yeah. I'm gonna make some dinner and get uh, get that going. All right, Sounds man. Good man. Thanks yeah, a lot Chet. for coming on. Yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, hit me up if you guys want to do it again sometime. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, we'll do. We'll hit you up here probably maybe pretty after, soon. Maybe after Hob launches or something. I'll, I'll yeah, that's Hob a good plan. Anyway. And then we're gonna have to come check in on you on some of these shows and movies and stuff and get your opinion. Hell yeah, yeah. Hit me up yeah. anytime. For yeah. sure, man. Cool. Cool. Miss you, bud. Great having you on the show. Yeah, to good soon. to reconnect, fellas. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You too, man. Right. Later. Right on. Later. Take it easy. All right, everybody. We're back again <laughs> with yet another celebrity guest. It's Hugh Jackman, crazily enough. This is fucking insane. Thanks for coming on, Hugh. Uh, hello, Andrew. Uh, Andrew, is it? Yeah, that's right. Uh, Maddie. Maddie is oh, here yeah, as well. I'm here. 
Oh my god, this so, is such a huge honor. This, so this is, it's a pleasure to be here. Love the show. Love what you guys been doing. Oh, you're you're a Superhouse listener. Uh, yes, sir. I've heard uh, every episode so far. I've recommended quite a few of them to friends. The Adam Carolla episode was pretty good. Uh, um, yeah, I listen to it pretty frequently. Hardly listen. What's your to What's your favorite else, episode actually. so far? Do you have one or a favorite guest? Good golly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> You know, um, there, I mean, there's just so many of them. <laughs> there's 61 of them now. There's like 60 of them. <laughs> Plus <laughs> but, one. Uh, I really like, I really enjoyed the Chuck Patton episode. I really enjoyed um, some of the really great YouTube uh, artists you've had on. Uh-huh. We've talked to a few of them already. Uh, my production company is uh, putting together uh, um, various video game projects and... Uh, uh, we're looking at him for soundtracks. Um, forgot the names, but wait. So, so you know, post Logan, you're going into uh, you're going into video game stuff. Well, I decided, you know, the X Men films really opened my eyes to this entire um, world uh-huh. of geekdom. You know, my wife, <laughs> <laughs> she she's not too into it, you know, but uh, but uh, my my man cave. Is uh is, is starting to really come together lately. Your man cave, that's interesting. Just, it's been really interested in all these different properties. There's just so many different, you know, <laughs> characters and uh, universes that haven't been explored yet. So so yeah so yeah, our, our production company in the next you know I don't know next few years is looking to to dabble into some of this you know. Uh, you said man cave. That, that's very interesting. I was wondering if you could just walk us through what your man cave looks like. Oh wow! Why do you get a lot of this? <laughs> I've got my own. Uh, I've got my own forty seat movie theater. Forty right? seats, okay. Forty seats, and uh, the screen is absolutely translucent. Okay. Uh, you don't even see it. You look like you're just looking at a wall. <laughs> Okay. Right, and then you walk in the room and you say "on." It's crazy. You say "on." Uh-huh. Translucent wall you didn't even know was there. Boom! Right there in your face. And what, into it many a time. What kind of what I've kind of shows or, or what do you have on when you say "on"? What what's what's the sh- what's the shit playing in the Wolverine cave? On. <laughs> well, you got to pick something. From okay. I have a vast lot. I'm, I'm rich, you know. I'm not like, you know, I'm not. I'm not Marvel Disney rich, but I'm pretty rich. Right, right. <laughs> so, you know, I've got an extensive library of 4K. Um, um, here's the thing is, you know, in the industry, you're privy to a lot of privileges uh, in terms of, uh, you know, the things you can get your hands on. So I've got an, an exact 4K, um, re- what is it, reproduction, uh, re- uh, how would you say that, uh, uh, restoration, restoration of the original yeah. 1977 Star Wars uh, A New Hope. Uh-huh. You see, live with audience commentary. It's like you're really there. Audience it's like commentary. Really, it's like, and, and you know, I, I pay my daughter every time I walk through the door so I could have that experience of seeing Star Wars the first time again. Okay. Is there? I've got a lot of different... Uh, uh, a lot of different. Uh, I like the the Nolan Batman movies quite a bit. 
Okay. They were pretty good. Not as good as X-Men Origins Wolverine, but pretty good <laughs> okay, for a comic yeah. book movie. Of course, yeah. yeah. Actually, not my best work, I'll admit. Well, actually, <laughs> I did damn good on that film. Uh-huh. What they gave to me, anyway. Right. Agreed. <laughs> yeah, you did a good job. Finally found a way to shut Ryan Reynolds up. That's for sure. <laughs> People don't give a movie credit for where credit's due. Do you beef with Ryan Reynolds at all, or? Oh, or he's a good that? chum. Yeah, he's a he's one of me mates, man. What, what what can I say? What can I say? He uh, he really jump started the Logan thing. That's for sure. That's right. Will you be working with in a Deadpool movie? Is Logan the end, or what's what's the deal with that? There's a lot of rumors going around about <laughs> about uh-huh. who's going to be the next Wolverine. Um, what they're going to do with the character, uh, you know. Um, but it's very likely somebody else is going to play Wolverine very soon. Okay. And so by investing my entire life into the character, more or less, I've been able to some sway, if you know what I mean, with uh, <laughs> Marvel and uh, Fox, you know, greasing some palms. It's all politics, really. Uh-huh. That's how we got the, the good Wolverine movie made in the first place. You but just anyway, greasing palms left and right until you got greasing those- palms so we can get classic properties, iconic characters. Um, what was the question? <laughs> Are you going to be in with Deadpool again? Or, or for the first time, rather? Oh, hard to say. Hard to okay. say. The internet, yeah, you know, a lot of rumors. Okay. But I would love to do it. I would love to be in a Deadpool movie. I'd love to, you know, joke around a little bit. Guy's got knives in his hands doesn't mean he's not barbecuing, you know what I mean? Right, right, or, right. Or, or cooking dinner for his entire family or somebody's family, doing something nice for a change. Right. I mean, don't get me wrong, I owe me entire career to Wolverine. Love the guy, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> but why can't Wolverine be sitting in his swim trunks next to the pool next to a hot model with purple hair? Is that the scene that you wanted, that you kind of wanted that kind of scene in a Wolverine movie? I have pushed for Psylocke to be in an X-Men film uh-huh. since the beginning. I didn't even read X-Men and I knew who Psylocke was. Uh-huh. And Storm. <laughs> so you an want... infamous character for being nude. She wasn't nude in the films once. So you want you just want good looking women <laughs> in these <laughs> just the, just playing next to you. Is it wouldn't be that hard to see their tits. <laughs> no, it would not be that hard to see them, see them at know, all if they actually, allowed you to. <laughs> I'm getting ahead of myself. All I want to see, really, is, you know, you see a lot of this grim, dark, uh, fire and brimstone in the X-Men films. It's really a love letter to how mutants are, uh, are a substandard species to humans. How are the humans still surviving in this future? You know what I mean? Right. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the, that's the more interesting point for you. What I'd like to see 
is people having a good time i feel like deadpool <laughs> had everything that you wanted violence blood action comedy it had sex for christ's sakes it had tits and it still had stan lee <laughs> i mean how did one movie that's supposed to be so ridiculous uh, from its conception be such a massive hit it's because people are having fun you know and wolverine when was the last time you saw wolverine have fun x1 hmm whenever he was making fun of cyclops in the first movie maybe yeah i sure did have fun making fun of cyclops <laughs> james myers didn't he's a good kid that's another one of my mates he's a good guy love james myers great actor sorry you got killed so much in westworld <laughs> good show so you're you're a westworld fan huh do you, do you have any opinion on that yeah i'd be honest i've only watched the opening sequence and some of the youtube videos of the uh of him the, getting the old him dying over and over. Covers. I love the old timey nine inch nails. Okay. That's wild. <laughs> Did you have any culture shock first coming to America at all? You know, it really wasn't easy. Uh huh. But it also wasn't very hard. Why is that? Um. Well, for starters, everybody loves an Aussie. Uh huh. It's true. You That's know, true. Anywhere yeah. you go, even in Australia, people who already know you act like they've just met you, in love with you each and every time you meet them again. If you've never been to Australia, I highly recommend it. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. You know, if you ever got the time. So However, you're saying when people I first... aren't as friendly in America, or 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 what? People are uh, American in America, if you know what I mean. <laughs> no, I don't. Can you explain? That? <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's kind of like you, you you know you're buying a ticket for the show you know you're going to you know you don't you're not oh, just you uh, just know what to expect is what you're yeah, saying you kind of you kind of want that okay, you know okay yeah, People yeah. Are a certain way in certain countries and in in in, in 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 certain other countries uh, you know it's kind of what you're expecting to get and sometimes it's better and it's uh sometimes it sucks and other times you know you it is what you make of it Hmm, indeed. So I was wondering, do you think that uh, Leopold from Kate and Leopold will ever show up in the Marvel Universe? You know, I've been pushing that with Kevin Foggy for a long time. <laughs> we take a meeting, uh -huh. even though we're not technically, strictly business partners. Yeah. Uh, we're good friends, you know. We've been talking about these characters for a long time. I mean, Leopold could have super manor powers, I and then Wolverine would have non-manor's original name be leopold why not dwell on how handsome and charming <laughs> and so a good dancer wolverine is <laughs> that's the important you know, part of the character instead of instead of all this you know punching and jumping and yelling it's all fine and good do you consider yourself more of a song and dance man than a wolverine man ultimately i like a good show tune but also like a good sinatra song Oh really? You know, I like can you the sing any, Can you sing Sinat like, Sinatra at all for us? Uh, Hugh Jackman. <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> My way or um, something. No. <laughs> okay, no problem. No problem. <laughs> I put no, you on the spot there. I'm sorry about I didn't, that. I don't recall any time I sing. Spiritual experience. Yes, you suffer memory loss. No right discount after? to the Superhouse podcast. Uh huh. Um, but I just uh, 
you tell you the truth, I got pretty loaded last night and uh -huh. recalling the lyrics are causing this splitting headache I already have yes. um, to split itself perpendicular to the vertical split that was there before. So it's kind of like they I split have an X the, the in opposite my way in Australia. <laughs> Migraines start in your dick and then they end. <laughs> oh, really? So it really in is the down tip under. Of your nose. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> All right. Um, Matty, do you have any questions for Hugh Jackman? I'm just so uh, honored for you to be here that uh, well, I, thank you. I, I honestly can't think of anything. Logan was great. You know, it's, uh, it's, please don't leave. Uh, please be Wolverine forever. I don't want you. you to do anything else. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> you know, it's been there's a lot of conversations have been kicked around, and you know, in the movie the movie business is is a strange beast. Yeah, wants certain things, and there's a lot of people that can provide certain things. You know, originally after the f after the second X Men film, yeah, they kicked around the idea of a solo Wolverine movie. We took meetings with Jonathan Nolan writing a script. We took meetings with Darren Aronofsky as a director of doing a strict retelling of the Barry Windsor Smith Weapon X angle. That had been good. We were this close. We had script and everything, but it just wasn't marketable because they already did it with Sin City and look where Rodriguez is now. Love to work <laughs> with the guy, though, by the way. Wait, can you say his last name again real quick? Rodriguez is. Oh, okay, yeah, I got it this time. You know All who right. I'm talking about. Yeah, I got Rebel it. Rebel without a crow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A, cr a crow? Yes. Okay, yeah. But anyway, Andrew, I digress. You should stop making so much fun of Hugh Jackman. I digress. <laughs> it's, you're really starting to make right. me upset. His accent is so funny, y'all. <laughs> I don't have an accent. You're like that guy who goes to another country and does that The Americans love Andrew. the accent. And I'll tell you, every American girl I ever slept with, which oh, uh, has been a lot. And your wife doesn't know about this. Well, she knows a bit. Well, she knows about more now. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. Probably shouldn't have mainlined that pint of fireball before I got on. But I was nervous. Okay, nervous for Super House. I understand that. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> the X films have always been a labor of love. For yours truly i've always wanted to see the best come out of him and you know before i got the role i didn't really know much about the x-men but now i feel like i'm an x-man and i think the world feels the same way too <laughs> it's true that's well, true bro sorry i'm getting a little emotional i've been drinking coors light for a week straight <laughs> i didn't know australians drink coors light that's <sighs> That's interesting. But to be honest, to tell you the truth, things have kind of slowed down since the announcement of not playing Wolverine anymore. Oh, yeah. So what, what's the plan now other than the video game stuff? There's, <clears throat> there's always acting jobs. <clears throat> That's not a hard thing to get. I'm good at it. So I always <laughs> have acting jobs. Right. However. <laughs> yes. However. I feel like I want to do something new, you know. Okay, what, what would that be? I want to drive across. <laughs> <laughs> I want to drive across the country on a motorcycle okay. I've built with my own hands. Is this America or Australia? My own hands <clears throat> in America. America, okay. land of opportunity. You know there wasn't right. anything going on in Australia. You're not gonna. 
they're not big comic book franchises in Australia. Right. Only in America, you have such creative and inventive ideas worth protecting. That's why people come here. That's why I came here. Anyway, what was the question? <laughs> you must have drank a lot. So, <laughs> listen. Uh, what What are your plans post <laughs> post Logan that aren't the video isn't the video game stuff? <clears throat> listen, I just got a job with a catering company. It's going to be a really great thing. It's going to be a really new kind of inventive twist on what catering is, what catering has been, and what catering could be. And I think that really is what piqued my interest in the endeavor and of itself. I'm bartending. <laughs> You're bartending. Weddings, but like really like great, swanky, like there's always the themes and cosplay, you know, and then they, you know, they have me in there and I'm like, you know, I, I cut olives with butter knives I've taped to my, my hands and uh, you, we spike up the hair and everything. And I'm like, here's your drink and... It's really great. It's a really great new experience. So you, you just to can't see a lot get a, more of the country than I have. You in can't the get last an acting job, basically. Years. No, I can get him. You just don't, don't want get me him. wrong. I can get him. But how do you? How do you? <laughs> excuse, excuse me. <laughs> you can get. How him, do but... you bounce back from? How do you send next to war? <laughs> How do you what now? Okay, what were you saying? You must be really drunk, Hugh Jackman. Andrew, I need you to stop pressuring Hugh Jackman so much. <laughs> I'm like, sorry. I feel like he's been under more pressure. I don't than feel this like you act this way really with great. any other guest, and I don't know what you're. It's really beef new. Is. Oh, I'm, it's I'm really sorry. amazing. Um, working on a fan <laughs> film for the <laughs> first time in my life, I can start to focus on passion projects. Okay. I'm doing a. Uh, do you remember the movie? Do you... <laughs> there was a movie in the early, the late eighties called Mac and Me. Oh, yeah, I remember. Yeah. We're doing a full-on. <laughs> we're doing a full-on reboot of this universe. There's a whole character. Mac and Me mu universe now. It's a rich mythology uh, with an iconic character that from. resonates deeply with its fan base and if there's anybody who knows anything about that it's me okay wolver hugh jackman <laughs> hugh anyway jackman, we're gonna do a full-on motion capture rig i'm gonna play mac <laughs> okay <laughs> and then and then what's gonna the happen after time that? in this film we're gonna motion capture everything in real time with a 360 rig for okay. VR. It's a VR film. It's a VR film. It's the first of its kind. First reboot done in the realm of VR. Mac and me, 2020. <laughs> that's, that's, that's incredible. I would have never uh, thought of that. It's going to be great. It's going to be new. It's going to be iconic. <laughs> And it's going to be fresh, and it's going to be cold. Cold. I mean, cool. And oh, it's okay. going to be. It's going to be delicious. Delicious. 
I'm sorry, what was the question? <laughs> you keep forgetting my questions. What's going on, man? I'm just really excited to be here. It's such an honor. <laughs> Real privilege and a pleasure to be on the Superhouse podcast. I've been listening to you guys for a long time. When you tell people about Superhouse, um, what's the what's general reaction that you get uh, uh, from, from people that you tell? Generally? Yeah. People are more or less apathetic. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> Sucks, but yes, I get it. <laughs> to the fact that I'm standing that close to them. And not seeing lines from the X-Men films. <laughs> However, it's the first thing. <laughs> <clears throat> However, it's the first thing. <laughs> take, take your time. I'm generally listening to it as loud as possible from my car <laughs> on Sunset Boulevard. Uh -huh. And screaming at the top of my lungs. Hey, I'm Hugh Jackman. <laughs> I used to play Wolverine. <laughs> you should listen to this podcast. It's on iTunes. <laughs> Somebody and please I, and give a I shit. I usually drive away screaming at the top of my lungs. <laughs> <laughs> so people just don't care about that. I th that's, that's strange, I think. I think people are really receptive. Oh, that's good. Okay. To my intense emotional <laughs> aggressiveness that I think it's sticking and I think most people that I recommend the podcast to have at least listened to the Adam Carolla episode. But not after today, eh? Not after today. So uh, I think we pretty much covered it. Do you have any questions for us? I know it's a bit strange, but we ask that of our guests at times. I think he just ghosted us. See, it looks like he's still online, but I can't. Maybe he got too drunk. He was drinking pretty heavily throughout. That. It could be in Australia, and the connection's bad, too. That's true. And that's basically it. Any final remarks from you, Maddie? It's just been a hoot and a holler. <laughs> and I guess that's it for now. We have uh, Jack Guzman, who is the Black Ranger from Wild Force. That's a Power Rangers series that ran from 2002 to 2003. And his episode is coming up the same week as this podcast, actually. So be sure to catch that. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's kind of good timing with the Power Rangers movie and all that. Sucks about his showmate that apparently killed a guy. But <laughs> anyway, strangely topical uh, guest we had. And that's basically it. Thank you again, Hugh Jackman. And, of course, Matt Lefferts for being on this episode. Yeah. That's basically it. Yeah. Bye-bye. This is Stefan from the Superhouse Podcast. Be sure to check us out on Patreon, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and any other godforsaken social media outlet that we that we should be floating on we are basically on all social media yeah, all social media mainly facebook and twitter and patreon check out the links in the description 
We have uh, a lot of uh, cool goals uh, set up on our Patreon. Like if you donate a dollar, you'll be able to uh, give us a topic for us to talk about. And that's we'll talk dope. about for maybe an hour or more. Who knows yeah. how long it'll take. And that's pretty tight. <laughs> that's the coolest thing. <laughs> Wait, we're on the internet? That's pretty good. <laughs> if you and we can make money. <laughs> what? <laughs> if you donate a thousand dollars, you get full frontal nudes. We haven't set that up, but it's a possibility. If you give us a grant, who knows what will happen. Check us out. I'll do that. <laughs> I'll do that. <laughs> you get to go on a date with one of us for $10,000. <laughs> but you pay for everything. <laughs> you get to have your way with Maddie for $20,000. Okay. I'll give you Joey for weekend. For $30,000, we'll help you hide a body. Check out our Patreon. <laughs> Superhouse Gigolo Project 2017. <laughs> Links in the description. <laughs>